previously on Perfect Weekly. And welcome back to Perfect Weekly. This is Ryan. I enjoy long walks on the beach. Hello, I'm Jen. I'm Jen. <laughs> My name is Jen. I didn't want to tell you, but I wrote a smut about you. <laughs> I'm like feeling very <sighs> distressed. Lady Chi here. <laughs> She's the queen of the fairies. I'm See, not made of stone. I have cats that I am throwing away. Anna is in the house. I'm a hat rat. There's Voldemort and bad wizards, but there's also boobies! And I'm Keza. Hello! We all use the shower to wash ourselves. <laughs> I'm P.S. I don't know where I thought the food came from, but I never thought that there were still arms. It's him! It's him! Mike. Mike, you never say I'm Mike. You're going to invest, invest in Canadian or Russian shipping. All of the ice is going to melt in northern Canada, and uh-huh. it's going to open up new shipping lanes. If northern Canada melts, would that not flood the world and kill us all? These are really stupid people. Like, I have a lot to learn from these people. Boys and girls, there's a thing called erectile dysfunction. Oh, my God. Yeah, but there's also a thing called Petrificus Totalis. Perfect Weekly, not only entertaining, but educational as well. (laughs) Who wants to see Hermione as a trial lawyer? As a tribal warrior? (laughs) I was born without wisdom teeth because I'm a higher state of human development. Hold on, you are the future of mankind? I've been here the whole time, but I can't remember what was just said. <laughs> oh, Vicodin. I love Hello. the fact that she's Australian. The art. This is a momentous moment, and you're mocking my accent. I'm very, very allergic to cats. And my mother-in-law <laughs> is evil, and she knows this. And she got a damn cat. How many virgins can successfully ravage anybody? He's Harry Potter. Come on. He's a skinny, <laughs> awkward kid who we think has ED. No, no, no. We don't think that. You think that. Poor Bernard was struck and killed by a bolt of lightning. Okay, you guys are the ones who obviously laugh during people's funerals. I wore a really big hat. Why is it always me? Why is it never cheese? You never talked about cheese breasts. He has his breasts are a fixture of Perfect Weekly. I ship Harry Ginny. I write Harry Ginny. I read Harry Ginny. Snape and Harry, not really my thing. Putting aside the question of sexual orientation. On Saturday, September 13th at 11.21 p.m., I fell so madly in love you won't even believe it with Harry Ginny. I think I just peed my pants. Please say that again. I felt something click inside of me, and the second half of my life began. She really does love them. I got into a fight with a pit bull. I was hitting it over the head with a lawnmower once, and it ripped my pants off. See, you're <laughs> in your underwear whacking dogs with a lawnmower. Sorry, I'm so sorry. Oh, come here, I'm so sorry. Come here. <laughs> I just, I just kicked my dog in the head. I peeled my whole fingernail off once when I was a child. First time I ever learned what an erection was. Seriously, I remember this very distinctly. This is like the Manhattan Project. Harry is both a spy and a department head. George shot Justin a significant glance. From a memory charm and everyone in the room. <laughs> Shalom. You have reached Puffwa's resident Jew. She has like a whole sound system. I don't have a sound system. Hold on. <laughs> she sounds a little aggravated. Are you a little creaky? For the God, if you ever, ever, ever make me cover a story with butt sex babies, I will kill you. Neither can live while the other survives. What does that mean? How does that mean what is to kill the other? And Jen's like, yeah, I like looking at female butts more too. So what? Women are beautiful. Doesn't make me gay. You thought I Jen got pregnant on a boat? I've realized in this podcast that Ryan just lies to me nonstop. And now, Butterfick Weekly.
I was hoping Jen was going to be here because I actually had Mpreg at work today. Oh, oh, there's an Mpreg incident in these chapters, actually. I'm so glad you brought that up. So we have a, a hospital or a doctor's office set up in the dramatic play at school. Mm-hmm. And the little girl, she put on her little blue gloves and mm-hmm. she looked at the one little boy and she said, you're going to be the baby coming out of his tummy. Go with it, okay? <laughs> and then she walked over to the other boy and she knocked him flat and she dove into like his stomach area with these gloves on. And she's like, now you're having the baby. Hang on. And then she's like grabbing the other one and like, come here. You're the baby coming out. I'm like, oh, dear, I don't want to know anymore. <laughs> Sue, please there. tell me you have a beer in your hand. Come on, Sue. I don't. Oh, Sue, all right. Uh, Can I do something? I just need to publicly call out BBC Video on their absolute fail in making DVD packaging because I can't get the book back in the back in the case. Did anyone heard from Gen 2 today, to by the way? Other. Gen 2, I told her to watch um, Battlestar Galactica, and she's watched the first two seasons in the past four days. I don't think she slept nor fed her child, so mm-hmm. I'm a little concerned. I know she has to do something baby tonight but she i've never seen someone get so into a show and without I, don't, I know you all haven't seen it there's a character who gets killed off in an episode and she, and before the character gets killed off something very very sad happens to the character and you feel very bad the character and then like half an hour later the character dies so she emails me saying how could you this awful thing just happened to my favorite character and i'm like oh crap oh crap he's dead in 30 minutes he's dead in 30 minutes so i wrote out this letter of apology really? to jan too yeah so i wrote this letter of apology in the minute she sent me that what the Hell, I hit send. Send to the <laughs> Like, Jerry Gentoo, if you're reading this, you've undoubtedly got to the scene where he took the bullet for tea. Yeah, he goes out. He goes out of here. It's all good. Well, she just got to the end of um, season two. I'm like, just so you know, everyone hated it. And then season three began and everyone loved it. Ba- Battlestar Galactic. The end of season two was in, awesome. In- By the way, Ryan, I want to just say I'm, t- I'm chatting with Robert right now. He, I think you made his day when you announced me as Aaron from Spellcast in the last episode. <laughs> did I? Yeah, you did. No, it's funny about these episodes because they air so because we recorded so, them so like far apart ago. yeah i know i'm like i'm like oh aaron's in this one who is robert one or who is robert two is skype he was apparently he's, he, he's been talking with jen and they've been joking about how she's now gen one on everything yeah that is true she, so I, she did, I did make a she, it hurt her feelings that she was gen one so oh uh, well I she's still gen one it's not like gen no she's gen one well, yeah really yeah it disorients me to call her gen one she's gen you don't need to say gen gen well one. no because no, then i get confused because sometimes i call gen two gen so then if i say gen you're in this episode, yeah, I don't want it to be like. It's Jen, like so. when they say that they say that like the king when there's like a king that doesn't have that yeah. isn't the first. Like Queen Victoria is not Queen Victoria the first. For Tuesday, May twelfth, two thousand nine, this is episode seventy six of Potterfic Weekly. Welcome to the place where the story never ends. Oh, will there ever be again a podcast quite like this? One that brought us together and started its own forum list. Where the hosts are all our friends. All those stories told by Jen. Will it drive Ryan round the bend? Perfect weekly, where the story never ends. Mm-hmm. 
and welcome back to Perfect Weekly. This is Ryan. I'm P.S. I'm Sue. And I'm Aaron. All right, you know what? I, I have no idea how Sue and Aaron managed to pull that off. I can only think it's a Hufflepuff thing, and I think there were hugs involved, but no one stepped on each other, and for Puffwa, that ain't bad. So we are <laughs> back tonight with our fourth podcast, I hope our fourth podcast, on Backward with Purpose. You never know, because sometimes I'm like, let's just start with three of them together and call it an episode. So it's our fourth recording session on Backward with Purpose by Ella, by Dan. Dead Woodpecker, whatever you want to call her. I have difficulty referring to her as Dead Woodpecker in a sentence. I don't know why. It just it doesn't flow well for me, so I hey. shall call her Ella. What? Sorry, I was interrupting. Well, that's... Okay, okay, I don't know what you were trying to interrupt with, so I'm just in the... Alright, so tonight we were just going... <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what's happening. It's like... <laughs> Dead Woodpecker sounds vaguely dirty. That's what I was saying. Yeah, it's like, I don't... I, I really can't just go there. So we're just going to call her Ella. It's a lovely name. So tonight we are starting with chapter 39, and we are proceeding through the outtakes. Of the outtakes, I I have comments on nearly all of them. There is one I have very little to say on because <laughs> I just read Lavender Brown's The Final Reckoning, which deals with Ron and Hermione having quite a bit of sex, but we'll get to that a little bit later. So, as I recall here, Aaron, is this your first podcast with us on Backward with Purpose? It is. It is. Now, have have you read the story before? Or are you reading it for the first time for the podcast? I have read the story. I was reading the story when it was still a work in progress and read the sequel while it was a world at work progress. It's one of my, uh, I'd say it's in my top 10. Really? Good, very good. Very cool. Very cool. So, um, do you have any comments on previous chapters before we get going, or do you want to just jump into the chapters? No, I think I can bring up anything I want to say based on stuff that's in the chapters we're talking about. Okay. Well, before we do that, Jen couldn't be here this evening. Now, usually in the past, Jen couldn't be here because a car was pinning her against the south wall, or she was in the hospital because, you know, unfortunately, she ate something that caused her skin to turn blue or whatever. I don't know. Jen's always had stuff up, and we announced last week Jen's back. Screaming children. Yay, Jen's back. And uh, this week, Jen was supposed to be here. Unfortunately, she can't be because Lee has diaper rash. And I say this because years from now, Lee will listen to these podcasts and blush. <laughs> so we dedicate this episode to Jen's son's butt. So there we go. Set it upon it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he's upon it. In place of that tonight, I would like to also dedicate this episode, number one, to Jen's son's um, Heine. But I would also like to de- dedicate this episode to our host, Mike. Now, Mike, you know, he, he he's a fun guy. Mike is a very fun guy and sometimes he gets a bad reputation. He's the guy that didn't get the ten rules. He's the guy that was a little confused about Nate Gwidditch match. He's the guy who wants me to invest in Russian shipping. And I feel like Mike's true self doesn't come through in the podcast. So I would like to try and help us all out here um, and tell a story about my buddy Mike. Now P.S. can back me up on this. Mike is a very, he's generous to a fault. He's he, he, would, he would sell you, well he wouldn't sell you anything. He would give you the shirt off his back even if it were flannel. You know, he re- just really generous, very nice guy. But you always, like, expect there to be a twist on it, and there never is. And I'll give you an example of one I mean here. For example, the other day, Mike sent me a message over Skype. He's like, Ryan, I have a very important question for you. How many people are coming to your rehearsal dinner for your wedding? And I was, like, I'm picturing him trying to parachute in. I'm picturing him trying to offer people rides. I don't know what's going on. He just wants to know more about the history of the rehearsal dinner, which I think is just fabulous. He does that to me all the time but it always sounds like he's about to do something crazy like he'll ask like how long can you like keep milk out of the refrigerator yeah it's stuff like that <laughs> so just every once in a while you know you just get a random request from Mike a couple weeks ago I get a frantic message from Gen 2 she was <gasps> distressed I'm like Gen 2 how can I help you today she's like you have to help me I'm like what is it Mike is trying to buy a used car and there was like the dum dum dums I'm like Mike doesn't know how to drive she's like I know we must stop him so we had to explain to 
Mike the whole thing about his car salesman being sharks, and then we had to explain to Mike how they're not actually sharks, and we had to go through the whole... So we eventually got Mike to not buy a used car, especially since in the previous podcast he explained if he ever tried to drive a car, he'd hit every single thing on the road. We got Mike off the used car. He'd be so better other, off driving a boat. He would be. Well, he, he's, he's more clear on the, on, the, on, the, on the parking of a boat, especially if it's under enemy fire, and if James Lee's on board. So I get a message from him the other day. He would like to buy a TV. Now, the thing with Mike when Mike wants to buy a TV, he kind of comes across in the conversation like Grandpa. Like, you know, when, back in my day when I bought a TV, it was $7! It had rabbit ears on it! And you didn't have to plug it into the wall! And like, no, no, that, yeah. So I'm explaining to Mike, you know, why don't you go to Best Buy, and why don't you just look around and see what they have. Now he's like, now how much is a TV now? So I sent him to BestBuy.com. He's like, oh my god, since one of TV's been a thousand dollars? You know, he's like the guy who woke up in a coma. So that guy. So I'm like, Mike, go talk to the guy at Best Buy. Just don't buy it without checkers, because God knows. So he explains to me he is going to Best Buy to buy LSD. Brilliant! And all I can picture is he will actually go into Best Buy and he will walk up to a guy. Now, Mike is a very imposing young man and he will ask where the LSD is. (laughs) And Mike will get arrested. Oh, yeah. Because, of course, he's looking for a liquid crystal display. So, as we record this... Give him a break. He was very close. Well, he's like Captain Kirk in Star Trek IV. He did did a little too much LDS in college. So, (laughs) at the time of this recording, we haven't heard from Mike. We don't know what happened. But if he is in jail, I have to tell you, Mike, the war on drugs has been a failure. In one day, you will see the light of day again. So, you know, hope You're you got that You're not going to go bail him out? Well, the problem with that is we had to use all our bail money on someone else. So, we have none left in petty cash. So, yeah, we're not okay. bailing Mike out. So. But you'd probably know if he goes to jail because I'm sure he's your number one on his call list of people to, to call once he gets in jail, Ryan. Uh, oh, I probably am. No, it'll be. He'll send me a text message so I won't be able to tell him no, so I'll have to go get him. Well, P.S., you know he'll where send he lives. Me, he'll send me a text message and it'll say, busy? That's <laughs> <laughs> what he always Well, you, then you're like, you're running out the door. You're like, no, I'm, I'm here for a minute. What's up? Can you please give me your thoughts on the Civil War? I'm like, oh, yeah, I gotta go, man. I gotta go. I gotta go. I got a thing. I gotta go. So that's the story this week. We hope Mike is not in jail, and if he is, we hope he is enjoying his LSD. So, back to the chapters for tonight. We are gonna start with chapter 39, and we're gonna move through the outtakes of the story. Just in terms of reading experience, I wasn't in the podcast last week. As I said in one of the earlier podcasts that we did record, the story was just a great reading experience for me for huge stretches of it. It was one of those stories that was so angsty, you didn't literally want to put it down. You want to keep reading and keep reading. It's similar to the second part of the Psychic Serpent trilogy because you're in such a different environment that you want to get out of it and you want to see how the character gets out of it. And on this one, it's a little morbid, but you want to see with the Weasleys how much worse it could get. I mean, first you're the child molester. Now you're the, you know, serial killer child molester. It's like, it, this is not boding well. So it, it was very captivating to read the story. And mm-hmm. then there was a period for several chapters where I had to, where I felt like the Weasley plot was put on hold and the next great angst war hadn't begun yet so there was a lull for several chapters and I have to feel like going you know maybe midway into the chapters for tonight we started to come out of that and it became much more captivating but I did feel just in terms of the whole story and maybe that's normal maybe you have to have breaths between you know the great conflict but I did feel like there was a little bit of a lull in the chapter I just want to point out if I don't talk no one says (laughs) (laughs) and then everyone yells at me for monologuing I was waiting for somebody else to break the silence just to see how long that would go on Um, let me go um, the, the, uh, just to clarify what I mean, the, the Weasley plotline was so captivating and so angst from, you know, all the way through it, you know, we know that Harry's good, and they think that everyone has gone dark, and you know they're going to keep digging themselves in deeper and deeper and deeper, and you know that payoff is going to be that much greater when they inevitably figure out what happened. And then when they figure out what happened, Harry doesn't forgive them. And you mm-hmm. have many, many, many 
eight chapters of Weasley, you know, and, you know, just feeling other, you know, remorse for what they did. And it feels really good for you to read that because it's, it's like, it's the karma, it's the payback. And then they get to the point where you start, you stop feeling vengeful towards them and it's just sad. And you kind of, it, it's, it's interesting to read Molly Weasley on the defensive with Harry. You don't read that too often. Then after a while with, with the plot points, you know, I just felt like the story got into a routine and it, it wasn't shocking me for several chapters and it really started to come out of that with the quote-unquote death of Dumbledore and, okay. and that pulled it back you know what I mean like from a plot perspective the story got oh isn't this nice oh look Harry's back at school and he is yeah that you know, was it, sort of like a surprising lull after this whole exciting time of them on the run and doing all that stuff because that was awesome that was exciting and then they're back yeah. in school and... yeah well I, I think that if, if they kept the action going the entire time it would just it would, you would it would wear you out eventually I think that's part of it so those those lulls serve to help you recharge your batteries and then when you have more action come in it hits you even harder like I, I know the point for me was the death of Dumbledore the thing that really got me back in the story was the Neville interlude yeah, yeah. it's when you I, realize she's not messing around here she's oh. gonna actually and, and just like the really dramatic language like we're already gone don't come for us don't blame yourselves I, love, I absolutely love Neville's death and it's part and it's, it's one of the, the things about this fic that I absolutely love the other one that I really absolutely love is the Weasleys not liking Harry and thinking he's evil for, for like 90% of the fic that yeah. so no, never read that before that 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 hit me and I was like this this I was hooked that was that was when I got hooked and then Neville dying was just he had such a great death and his character was so strong mm-hmm. and I want to be fair to Ella here and I want to really crystallize what I mean by um, disappointment because it's not that you know all of a sudden the story got bad <laughs> you know what I mean what I think it is is look at it this way the, the thing about the story and the strength of, of the story and what makes it different from so many other stories is that it takes characters that you're used to reading about you know a thousand different times over in a thousand different ways because this is where the story never ends this is no different possibilities and, the, and it, it takes a really unique spin on the characters the Weasleys are the bad guys for like like Aaron said for huge percentages of this and you know the characters are 14 years old but they're also married and they're also you know trained assassins you know pretty much not really but they're you know they're very dark people because they are essentially Vietnam War veterans so uh, it takes a really interesting spin on them so it's interesting when you see when you know these characters are, are, are who they are but you see them getting detention and you see them you know being treated like children and told to go to their rooms frustrating for you so it's interesting when they're when they're freed and they're given this ability to do things they could never possibly do in the canon and when I say disappointment the way I mean it is when you take characters out of the box and you let them take on roles that they've never taken on before and you let them really really push that envelope and, and, and try completely different things and shake up the relationships if you have Dumbledore and Harry on more equal footing and if you have Harry and Ginny essentially living as a married couple in the bodies of teenagers it's, it's weird stuff it's different stuff so when you then take the characters and say okay you know the Harry Potter vindicated and he's going back to Hogwarts and he's got ancient runes at nine and it, it, it kind of you know it pulled the story back into the mode it was in for the first couple of years and it wasn't really until you went back to the resistance in the, in the fall of, the, of ministry that you got to get back to the good stuff so it, it felt a little like a letdown only because it was so it's and I don't like, yeah, I read ahead. it in one sitting and I can remember the parts I was starting to fade in, be- in between the Weasleys finding out and them going to evacuate the Muggleborns, and then my heart started pumping again. You know, right, mm-hmm. right. So I just want to really just crystallize that. So it, you know, it's like the whole scene. It's a whole the whole part of Deadly Hallows where they're off, you know, camping. Yeah, or like on a TV show too, when you have the big season premiere and they blow all the you know the special effects budget and they do something really really captivating, and then they have to do seven bottle shows in a row where they only yeah. use the standing sets. So it's like this character has a pimple. It's like so it's like they got the really 
really, really, really standalone shows because they got to rebuild the budget and get the viewers back in, and then they do all the really cool stuff at the end of the season. I did feel like there was a little bit of a lull in the storytelling, and I definitely do feel as though it came back. And it was actually interesting for me because it was the first time I read it in an author's note. I really, really didn't like that chapter. Like it just, <laughs> it, it sucked coming out, and I'm like. Okay, I like you. That's good. So, uh, so does anything interesting happen until next? Um. Well, he he's first. He starts with the the ruins. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, the. Um, he finally finds out what the ruin in his dream was, and okay. he's shocked to find out that it was love, not pain. And yeah. that's a really interesting um, dynamic in these chapters because I was thinking of it's an episode of Babylon Five. Actually, the character who comes on it later on, very, 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 very old. And one of the things he says is he's been around for thousands of years. And one thing he says because he's he's observing you know people like us who live for, you know, 100 years and I die. And one of the things he said is that love is not eternal. And the greatest gift that you have if you live a finite life is that to you it appears to be eternal because you live for such a short period of time. And that always stuck with me because it was kind of like a morbid kind of thought process. But it, it, it was really captivating. So it was interesting here that because the perspective was that love is eternal and it can defeat death. And because of love will do, you know, you, you could do terrible things for love. And, mm-hmm. and love is such a great power. I thought that was really an interesting way to go I never would have especially when you get into scenes in the love room and you see Harry seeing the love in his past and it's especially present even at the um, Azkaban even at even Azkaban. Azkaban when they literally tortured people and they like crushed every bone killed in them on mass and then dropped them like bombs onto Malfoy Manor couldn't you yeah. just imagine being like like the scene at Malfoy Manor with like the little crow sitting on like the lantern and all of a sudden it's like plop I, this, this, the albino this peacock yeah. has crushed. so many great action imagery like I wish yeah. this fit for him like I wish it yeah. were turned into a movie there were so many great like cinemagraphic treats when they jump from the train that would be that yeah. would be awesome to see I can just see them jumping from the train and Emma being like I forgot I hate heights <laughs> do you ever see the movie Jack Lemon and James Garner my fellow Americans no mm-hmm. it's a it's a comedy about two former presidents of the United States and long story short the current president ordered the secret service to kill them there's like corrupt members of the secret service and they're on the run and they have to get to one of their presidential libraries to get the evidence against the president or whatever and they're on a train and the Secret Service is chasing them and it's like a Democrat and a Republican and they hated each other. They're political rivals and they've got to jump off the damn train and want, it's like, I, I was thinking of it when Hermione didn't want to jump and, and they're holding hands and they're like, okay, on three we jump and and, and, J- and Jack Lemon's like, alright, we'll do it. And he's like, one, two, and then James Garner kicks him off the train. He's like, damn, that felt good and then he jumps after him. <laughs> I was just picturing Hermione there like, not saying that Ron would, of course, kick Hermione off the train, but yeah. she did yeah. jump. So. Did they jump off the freaking bridge? Did they jump off that, like, massive ravine? Yeah. You see I imagine yeah. they were going on a trestle, like, above a river or something. Yeah. Because that's yeah. where they, that's the only place they would have, have space to jump and fall till they could have. That's mildly concerning. <laughs> like, can you picture Hermione? I'm coming with you. Good. We're going to jump 80,000 feet. What? You don't know. They don't know how, like, far the anti-action field extends, like, around the train. So if they were just, like, near, still near the train. They, you know, do you get what I mean? They had to fall over the good How depressing right. of a story would it have been if Ella didn't want to finish it and she just had to jump and they died? <laughs> Is yeah. it just me? Do I think like that? Is it just me? That's just you. It's you. It's me. All right, I apologize. Well, no, 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 that's all right. I have no idea how I got off on my fellow America. I'd like to apologize to everyone. Oh, that I, I just added it to my Netflix queue while you're talking. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really cute movie. It's a good movie. I like it a lot. It's got Josh Lyman from West Wing in it. So. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, good movie. So, and I'm not going to lie to you. I had these chapters on my iTunes finishing chapters last 
week, and I had the chapters this week, one audio file, and I accidentally hit, you know, next song, and I pop without realizing it. So back when I was listening to, like, ch- chapter three, I accidentally cut the 39. And this is maybe why the story felt so choppy for me, because at one point, it's like, Harry hates the Weasleys, now it's Christmas, and they're having a fight. I'm like, oh. So I actually saw this Harry. chapter coming for a little bit. I thought it was really well played with Ron and Ginny getting their Weasley sweaters, and mm-hmm. they're gonna really throw this Molly face. Oh, we're no longer dark. We get sweaters. Where's Harry's? And just really, because, I don't know, Aaron, I'm curious what you think, because you had the, the, the rift between you know, the new trio, as I call them, and, and then you have many, many chapters of, you know, the Weasleys feeling terrible, <laughs> and Harry telling them to go F themselves, essentially, you know, with, you know, for all intents and purposes. And I was wondering how far it would go before it, before you lost believability, whereas either the Weasleys would permanently crushed, or they would say, you know what, screw you. I was glad that this scene finally came, because I think it was really needed, that they would be on good terms, but not very good terms. I don't know, did you, what was your, what were your thoughts on just the rift with the Weasleys going in a chapter? Well, I thought it was, I thought it was good that they didn't immediately start loving each other again, like, instantaneously. There was too much, too much time had passed, and there had been too much suspicion and hurt on both sides for them to just suddenly snap back into loving each other. I thought it was very good how much time, I think it was in the, in the fic, it's, what, six months? Something passed? Like something yeah, like that? Something. Or maybe less, maybe like three months until Christmas, and then they get the, the sweaters. But I like that there was some time for them to kind of cool off a little bit, and back off a little bit, and then there was an, and, uh, especially for Harry, I think, uh, he, he was able to, and then I think he got a better perspective on it. Um, yeah. Well, I thought it was a good place to bring story where it had, essentially, in the beginning, he's so angry at them, he can't even speak. All he wants to do is have sex, which is, you know, after reading Lavender Brown, perfectly normal response, I thought. And then you have, you know, many months of, you know, avoiding direct eye contact. Now you have this major scene where everyone seems to kiss and make up, and I was really afraid that everyone would kiss and make up, and that would be it, I wouldn't like the rest of the story. I really was afraid of that. And one of the good things is everyone kisses and makes up, and, and the Weasleys, you know, lower their guard and say, look, we do need you, because the, the Weasleys are going to leave, saying, look, we've destroyed your relationship with us, and it's our fault, but we're not going to do this. We're staying in the order, but we'll leave you. And Ron says, you know, of, of course we need you. Of course we, you know, lost everything, and we coming back here was an easy decision. You didn't put us out, because the Weasleys feel as though, you know, these three sacrificed everything for them, and they didn't. You know, they had nothing, and they, they did this to get back what they could, and I, I was really afraid it would just be, you know, it, it would just wash away all the problems, but it doesn't. And they still, Harry still feels that these aren't his Weasleys, quote-unquote, and he is on very good terms with them, but he still really holds back from them, and I think that's a really, really good sign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Writing-wise. Not for him, but <laughs> for him it sucks, but for me it's great reading it. Well, and it, it delays the full resolution of that until the end of the fic, essentially. I'm sure you'll get more into it in the, uh, the when you start covering the sequel, but the, the possible futures that exist with them, you know, possibly even keeping the estrangement for years and years and years are even more painful than, than just the, the couple of years that this took. Oh, that's really cool. I really want to read that, because I I thought the, the estrangement was just, it was, really, like you said, you never read that anywhere else. I thought that was really good. Oh, writing. it's, uh, you know, I, I've read a, a good amount of fan fiction at this point. This was one of my favorite plot points, the, the Weasleys hating Harry. And really, how much did it take? It took one word in the prophecy to change, and it took one credible newspaper article, and yeah. suddenly their viewpoint of him changes completely. Well, it snowballs, too, because then Harry seems older and colder, which 
which he is. So that adds to it. And then well, they and act coldly right. towards Ginny, him. So that, yeah. Well, Ginny does change. I mean, that, that, I think the initial worry that Molly has is that, you know, as soon as Ron goes off to school and Ginny meets Harry, they start to change. And that's true. But just so happens that it's the time they come back in time, you know, and they do change. But uh, she she has legitimate concerns. And yes, Harry and Ginny were fooling around in her room at, what, age 12 and right. teen? Like, yeah, that's yeah. not that's not appropriate. So even if they are, you know, 25-year-olds trapped in their bodies, it's still not appropriate uh, from the mother's perspective or the father's perspective. Because that's the thing, too. You can't blame them at all for what they were thinking. And it's really important to remember that the problem that Harry and and Ginny and Ron have is that their parents didn't want to listen and they didn't want to consider other possibilities and they didn't want to trust them. Because you have to admit, it looked really bad. Well, and they decided they weren't going to tell them that they were from the future or give them all the information as possible. But not only that, just trust us. He's not bad. Trust us. It was my idea. Trust us. Trust us. And their parents weren't even open to that. And just even little things like walking out to the shed and Arthur dismissing Harry, even little things. It was just, it was so disappointing. Yeah, it was so disappointing. And we talked about this in previous podcasts. It was just so disappointing that the Weasleys let us as the readers down because they weren't as noble as they should be. No one in real life is as noble as the Weasleys are. And when they falter even a little bit, you know, we selfish, flawed people in the the audience (laughs) point fingers at them. But we want them to live to a higher... It's like when the president lies, we think, you know, that bastard, but we lie all the time. We want the Weasleys to live up to the higher higher standard. standard. And they let us down, and they let Harry down. And it's... I loved in the the previous chapters, which I wasn't here to comment on, where Harry is... He's just so disappointed. He's not even angry, because they... He even knows. They didn't do anything wrong. But it's disappointing that they weren't the people that he knew them as before. And the people he knew them as before were formed based on a thousand decisions and a thousand things that happened every day that made them the people that, that they were. And there's 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 structural changes to this universe. There's a different prophecy and there's a different newspaper article and there's, you know, behavioral changes and there's historical changes that come about as a result of these people coming back in time. So they will become different people. And I think that's one I think that's a really good thing to point out in a story like this. You can't go back in time ten years and and have a do over because you're gonna probably screw up a lot of the events that got you to the place where you needed the do over from the in the first place. So I I just really thought that was it, it was just really great. And one of the things in these chapters, like I tend to take very verbose notes when I write, and I try and get away from that because then when right. we podcast, I can't. <laughs> do I really? I can't read the damn things. So I'm trying to only write down the things that really jump out at me. And the scene that really did was the scene with Harry and Neville, because as you recall, um, there what was the scene earlier with Harry and Neville earlier in the story? It was the scene where Neville wanted to know what the secret was, and Harry couldn't tell him yet. And they, I, I can't recall the exact. No, I'm sorry. It was the scene. No, I apologize. It was the scene in the greenhouse earlier in the story where Neville wants to be brave like Harry. And Harry says, Neville, you're standing up to everything. You know, you're brave enough on your own. You're a bit, you're a better man than you think you are now. And then there's this moment where Harry just really puffs up Neville. And there's a scene later on where Neville is this very blunt, very good guy. And he basically backhands Harry and says, look, you're being nice to the Weasleys now. That's great. But you're still holding back and you're still not being completely fair with them. He's, he's and, being nice to them and he's accepting them, but he's not allowing them back into his heart. He's, yeah. He doesn't want to get burned a second time. And the example he gives is so profound. You, in the original 
original timeline thought Sirius Black was a serial killer. He never got a trial. He never got to explain his side of the story. He escaped from prison to save your life, and he stopped at nothing to save your life. He had, hadn't seen you since you were a baby, and you the first thing you did when you saw him was try and kill him, and you never believed for a moment that maybe, you know, we should hear him out. And, he, and the first thing he did was forgive you. He never even blamed you. He just, he was so glad to see you. And look what you're doing to the Weasleys. Could you, and then I stopped to think about that. Could you imagine if Sirius was just so bitter at the end of Prisoner of Azkaban? He didn't want anything to do with anybody. It's like, you know, stories all the time. Guy gets arrested for rape and is thrown in jail and 20 years later they find out he didn't do it because of the DNA evidence. So that got me thinking the story, and it's a little bit different too because sure. the plot line is that Harry never, Harry never Sirius does anything ne- bad. Well no, he Sirius never-, never tried to, it's not like Sirius tried to explain that he wasn't a serial killer and Harry didn't listen. That would be the more apt analogy but, you know, for, that would be like saying you know, if, if no one ever tried to tell the Weasleys and Harry was still pissed. So it, it's not a perfect analogy but it got me really thinking and I like the part where, where he doesn't say it but Neville's like get off your ass, you gotta do this. I love and that I scene just, from with Neville uh, telling Harry to you know stop being a, a douche was even better because it was right after the interlude where Neville dies and right. it was well, like, the like the voice from the, beyond the grave. Well the structure was so good too because you you see Neville dying but you don't know the context yeah. and then you come back and he's well the thing that's unfortunate for me and Sue can back me up on this is we put these on our iPods so you're never quite sure to like cut and paste out of sequence and then like getting the story <laughs> in a weird order. Yeah, I can imagine get, that'd be, that'd be uh, <laughs> difficult. Well there though. was a point I did actually miss a chapter. I missed um, Snape's interlude. So I put the, the, the next yeah. series on. Mm-hmm. I realized today, or last night when I was taking notes, that I hadn't started the next book, the Book of Albus. And so I loaded 13 chapters this morning so I could listen to it. The first mm-hmm. three are repeats. Oops. Nice. You listened yeah. to chapter one three times in a row? I did. So are, Actually, are I we did. saying the oh. name of the sequel on error? We can. Oh. No, we can, because we're, we're doing the rest of the story tonight. So yeah. the um, so, yeah, secret's yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, Merlin. We find out who that is. We do. That I could not have picked. I know this is I would not have picked that. But that I would... completely came out of left field, which is good because I, even Dang. though it makes sense, you know, like it's not one of those deals where it doesn't make sense and it came out of left field, but this is, it came out of left field and made sense. And... Reading it, mm-hmm. I mean, you you catch the hints a lot easier. El, very good about dropping very small hints, ways he words things, um, the way he, he does relations. He talks when he's, especially when he interacts with Jenny and, and Harry in the love room, I think there, he drops a couple of, of hints. And then also when he's with Harry at the end. So, but like, I really loved how she unfolded that the, the whole Merlin plot line it was it was done just very slowly and kind of you know in, it envelops very naturally I thought can I just ask a question about that don't spoil me because I know we're going to get more about this in the um, sequel story but I'm just trying to understand it from what I've read just of backwards of purpose we see at the end that Harry is in the woods in the first timeline after he thought everyone died Jenny and Ron are still alive you know that he's near um, the, the Forbidden Forest and he wants to cut his wrists with the sword of Gryffindor yeah. and his son Al comes to him then uh-huh. at that point and tells him that Ginny and Ron are alive and you know he's a time traveler from the future and you know he binds his hands and silences him so he can't so he can't get away and Harry eventually asks Al why did you do it and he said the cost was too high yep. so yep. my question is if Al went back in time and he went back in time to the first universe yep. did he always go back in time when he was an unspeakable in the second universe Let me, I'll explain it for you okay 
the way the, the okay Albus Severus Potter is Merlin we learned that very end mm-hmm. now the way Book of Albus works uh, he uses what's called the Foci Memoria, uh, Memoria I think it's what it's called mm-hmm. time travel basically he goes inside people's memories of the time and he's able to stay for like a month or something anyway well don't give me don't give me any spoilers well that's not a spoiler that's it's in not this a spoiler. book it's in the book it's in the, it's in the book. Um, okay. memories on bound book yeah okay gotcha when gotcha. they go through all the, the I think I don't know where it's very early in the fic when they go through all the the, tra- the methods of time travel it's one of the ones they describe there he gets the, there's there's side effects and whatnot he gets like scars or something but he comes from a very different future than we get in yeah. the epilogue of this and there I forget actually I haven't read Book of Albus in a while I don't remember and the structure of that book is such I don't really remember what the, the initial um, I'll t- hang on Kronk I am gonna give you I'm gonna Skype just you okay can I actually ask a question this is my impression of it tell me if I'm anywhere near right uh-huh. or you can tell me just to read the damn sequel that I'll know my impression what I was anticipating was Harry um, Ron and Ginny in the first chapter in the first universe where everyone died Harry and Ginny eventually had a child named Albus and he went back in time in the same way that they did but in a different manner no it's only from the second universe because in the first universe they don't have kids because they went back in time Um, the thing is though Albus goes back in time for a reason because see that's the thing I was talking to Mike I can't remember if this was in the last episode or if I was talking to him and when he got to the part about Merlin being Albus he was like that whippersnapper is so selfish why did he go back in time and mess everything up but the thing you have to realize is you have to read the equal because you'll see that Albus yeah Um, what what happens is uh, the the way um, the second one is not really a spoiler it's the very first chapter of the second Mm -hmm. fic it essentially starts off with a obituary for Harry and that's in fact how I'm not going to go too much into it but that's that's how there's sections to the fic and each one starts off as obituary for Harry and that's why the the cost is too high for Albus is that his dad dies was it like a Bill and Ted's thing where Harry Ginny and Ron go back in time and do it without Merlin and it doesn't work out well so then Albus goes back in time um yeah pretty much yes because I think the first time they went through it basically the first time they did it without Merlin and something happened so that Harry died at like the age of 30 okay he decides that he's gonna fix it so he goes back in time and he's Merlin and Hmm. the book of Albus is him trying to fix it so that Harry does die at age 30 and different stuff happens he does things that makes it change there are like alternate futures because of things it did there's things that he can't break about time travel like he can't change the past it's kind of a strange kind of predetermination thing he can't change anything that would that would lead to him not being born and he can't change whatever the there's like certain things that are immutable like for example the, the prophecy he has to exist and Harry has to yeah. feed Voldemort. Because the thing is, like, like if the, if Harry wasn't the chosen one, then Ginny wouldn't, you know, have a crush on Harry. She yeah. had a crush on Harry Potter, so he wouldn't be born. Yeah. The, but the price is, is different for him. They both say the price is too high, but the, the high price is different for Albus. And in fact, I was looking at it, and um, the first time they do it, apparently more than just Harry dies, like, other people die early. Oh, yeah, you know, extra over... people died in the war. Yeah. Cullen wasn't there. Like, it's you like... Know? In the two the, the two universes in in this one in the uh, backwards of purpose you have everybody but Ginny Harry and her and um, Ron die except for like a couple of people I think Flitwick and Seamus and yep. Hagrid are all still alive but like almost everybody is dead it's not like Nightmares of Future Past where it's just Harry and the rest of Britain is like the surface of the moon um, right and then in the second version only like Neville and like Moody have died and there's like virtually no no extraneous deaths so the Book of Albus there's there's intermediate steps where he yeah there's like, yeah, it's, it's like in the first universe where Al is growing up 
where there hasn't been a Merlin hasn't done yeah. it yet. There's like say I would say it's like the normal level of death. It's like living in death, living in the de- post deathly Hallows canon. Yeah. It's like so basically, Merlin is like Merlin is essentially Captain Janeway and says I must go back in time to prevent a death because it made me very sad. Pretty much. Yes. It is. It's it actually is, he's it a is. lot like Janeway from. Uh, well, actually, Janeway from. Uh, if you're, I'm talking about the the season finale now when she when Admiral Janeway goes back. Yeah. Ginny and Ron going back and trying to fix everything. Okay. That's true too. It's like if Janeway went back several more times and tried to fit like tweaked it slightly. It's it's like the one where there are two Voyagers and like Harry and like a baby died. So like the Harry and the baby from the second Voyager come over and the second Voyager explodes. No, no, no. It's like Year of Hell and and, and... I love Okay, so so Harry, Ginny, and Ron are Admiral Janeway and Al is Anorax trying to save his wife with the red hair. There you go. He is very much. So do you have any idea what I'm talking about? I, I don't. I should. Okay, good. At first, Al is really selfish because it's all about Harry. It's all about his dad. Like he even. Well, he's also I really bad say, like, at it first. Some of, yeah, he is bad at it first. Like some of the changes he makes. I'm actually kind of miffed now that I'm not on the Albus. <laughs> I love that fic too. By the way, that's that's a really because the thing like he like he messes up some of the times. Like the reason some of the thing in the second universe of backwards to a purpose like the like some of them are because of him yeah mm-hmm. oh okay I don't think like, we can go too much in this without yeah. starting to spoil the next two pods yeah so it's basically like when you watch Battlestar Galactica in the beginning the Cylons are one thing and when you watch season four there's like, something eh? different yes. well it, I, I think that it's driving me nuts that I can't say uh, yeah I, it's I'm hijacking so... next week I'm coming on next week I don't care if I'm not on the schedule I'm having my PS is in charge of the schedule so that works for me dude <laughs> alright so let's get back, back to back hey, Aaron you want, right. you want one of them <sighs> I, I so want to say yes. I, I this the, honestly this kind of down. fix here coming from a science fiction background or what I love. Are we getting an interview with Ella? By the way, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, we'll get you in on that one. I have to start making questions because I, I just have, love these. We <laughs> wanted to know what happened to the remember all because we couldn't figure it out from the when they go after their in the first, in first year when they have the business with you know, the remember all. He doesn't do it. Huh? I mean, maybe like he, maybe we were just idiots who can't read, but we couldn't figure out. How to I don't think. Well, he, I once he, thought that Lucius Malfoy was crying hysterically. Can't have. Or, you're, you're talking about the remember all scene where Harry catches. It becomes secret. Harry doesn't. No, see, he doesn't catch it because he doesn't play Quidditch in this. So what happened to it? I don't think they even go into it. She skips. That's what I'm saying. She skips that scene. Like, so what happens? We all we were like coming up. We were like, well, does Draco break it? Like, does Harry let him break it? Or is Draco he... in this fic at all? Dies. Does Draco he? barely? Well, b- yeah, but he, he dies. But that's really all he does. Yeah. Well, they marginalize him, and yeah. you know, as a as a Draco hater, I really can't argue against that. So, Rinna right where Rinna right now just. Like how they chill up her spine. She's like, ooh, that felt good. <laughs> I love that. It's cool. We'll leave it at that. So, all right. So, looking back in these chapters here, chapter forty-two, we have the fall of the ministry, and we have the um, Molly Weasley's plan put into uh, into practice to protect that was the so mu- fantastic. to put like, the I Muggleborn. Rarely, yeah. yeah, I rarely see Molly come up with a good plan. I am so sick of fits where Molly Weasley doesn't get to come up with a good plan. I mean, she's in the order for a reason. I mean, she's the mother of a strategist. But in fairness, the only everything we only ever see her do two things in the order we see her guard the prophecy in, in passing like as mentioned she's off guarding the prophecy and we see her killing bellatrix Lestrange. But up until then she does dishes for five years i love this yeah. she's the mother of a strategist they don't yeah. know how to deal with her they don't know how to deal with arthur they just have them as background characters i mean and quite frankly you're exactly right with she's the mother of a strategist because he i don't think he got it from arthur because i don't think arthur is that bright <laughs> you know no <laughs> honestly, 
<laughs> he's not. Well, he is hugging a writhing lawnmower at the end of the story. I think he's drawing back his his like strategic ability from Arthur. I think I really do think it was from his mother. Well, Arthur's a very shrewd guy. He doesn't wear a helmet. Let's be nice. <laughs> no, Arthur Weasley does not wear a helmet. Very good. He does. <laughs> All right. And can we say one thing too? I love. I, I don't know who's ever seen this, but you know, in like it's probably in the movie Clue during the huh. bad death scene, the guy gets shot and he like has one hand over his heart and he gets flung into the bookcase then he like flips over the couch it's like the very staged death scenes it's like the one from Tim Russ a Star Trek in about uh, Dumbledore's he... death <laughs> Dumbledore's death weren't you picturing him flopping I don't know why yes. in my visual absolutely I'm picturing him going down on the table and he's like <gasps> like a fish out of the water and then he like takes out the chair well he like flips <laughs> over the table and lands in front and then it's like convulsing and I'm, yeah. I'm like it's like he's like, 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 like I was half like that. expecting in the back of my mind them to be like them to see through it well I was yeah. picturing then he like jabs himself in the leg with an EpiPen or something he's like <laughs> he's having an allergic reaction to peanut butter someone help him so like it was so very awkward it was well written but and for some reason I don't know why but it's I've read a lot about it I was really afraid it was gonna be like alright unfortunately Snape has to kill Dumbledore now and that you're gonna have the goodbye scene with him and Harry like it didn't occur to me for a couple seconds that they fake it when I first was reading it I was so afraid then I realized mm-hmm. it can't possibly really yeah. happen it's, it's, well I love it too when he wakes up at he's either Grimmel Place or Godric's Hollow it's like the house where people fake their deaths it's like yeah. well, it's like him and Moody and else. So, everybody else that was fake dead came and there's a great banter that goes on there yeah and they, um, they, where they're talking about what, what happened today it's like oh ministry. oh I have it written down here I have it written down here yeah. hi there honey Ginny said brightly Harry turned his head so fast his neck popped that had to <laughs> have a nice day at work work was a little boring today he's like slow not much happened ministry was taken over by you know who Dumbledore you know the Dumbledore who gave a cheery little wave I'm sorry I'm sorry I live in Massachusetts I ha- I am a very open person I love people of all stripes all religion but was I the only one at that point who was picturing Dumbledore right there and as you know Dumbledore died George and Udi nodded to Dumbledore were you picturing Dumbledore going like hello <laughs> I was picturing are fabulous picturing, my office is fabulous <laughs> like I was picturing this little like queen wave right there I don't know why just in the museum I mean, and then we sent all the Muggleborns off to the Muggleborn preserves. You know, it's where you can go and pay your little fee and drive your car through and wave at all the animals. That's right. It's terrible. Just another day. I just thought that the, the whole scene crack up. That was well written. I'm picturing Harry trying to sneak Dumbledore's body out of there. He's like, Montreux. He's like, don't miss. And like, you can picture the thought process. Don't catch on to the fact that all the Muggleborn gone. Do not catch the fact that there's 500 missing people in the room. Don't know this. Don't know this. Yeah. And look, Without going because... too much into the numbers of, of the population of Hogwarts, I would bet that Muggleborns yeah. are no more than 10 or 20 percent. I really of the don't think there's that many Muggleborns. Like, if you look at Harry's year as a sample, like in Gryffindor, there's only Hermione and Deer. So, like, you can kind of give that, like, be an average of one. Well, that's true. It's not half. Okay. And so that means there's four in each year, four times seven, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, no, I'm picturing um, a series, um, Harry Potter and Silence. Uh, yeah, how yeah, many? Harry Potter and Silence. Well, that was Half Bloods, too. That was, that was a lot of. I thought, just started, I thought it was just Muggleborns. No, you're right. There was were Half Bloods. They didn't take those at first, though. They took the Muggleborns first. Right. Well, and after the you know, end, I... they were taking Half Bloods, weren't they? Took... Yeah, it was, well, it was different, too, in this one because I don't think they knew oh. at the time was a Half Blood and he was. Well, like, Dean was Muggleborn. Well, as far as we know, Dean is a Muggleborn. I think the only the only canon that says otherwise is JK and just saying that there was a plot line that never actually happened where his father was like a Death Eater or something. Or... Well, we can trust her, can't we? I mean, she changes her mind all the time. You can't, but <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying so, that, that that's that's like mate, that's like half canon. Like I love how I JK Rowling says canon. it. We're like, prove it. Like, I take it if, if it was serious enough to have gotten cut from the book, yeah. then I take it for canon. If it's just an off-handed interview, then I don't take it for canon. But well, if she, she, like, 
contradicts herself too. Like, we edited this out of book, then to me it was in, you know. But no, it's like she said that she was reconsidering and maybe Luna ended up with Neville. Then a week later, she said he married what's his face and had all the kids. I'm like, oh, apparently that worked out. So. Yeah. Speaking right. of which, this is the one thing I liked about this fic also is it's so recent that it incorporates virtually every canon- canonical fact that exists, including that little whatever 800 word dribble she wrote where uh, yeah. that introduces <laughs> Elvendork into the canon. Elvendork. That was amazing, by the way. Well, yeah, she's an absolutely great job doing that, and then it, it, even more so than that, you know, like the, the plot line involves everybody dying at Hogwarts, but she still incorporates in uh, Molly Weasley's duel with Bellatrix. So you have to imagine it didn't happen at the final battle, but maybe it happened at a different point. So she she incorporates all of that stuff, but she still keeps the timeline different. It was actually interesting. I never considered, and, and I knew the Book of Albus was was the follow up, and I figured it was Albus Dumbledore, but it yeah, never even too. occurred to me. I would, it, like, it never occurred to me Albus Potter because. See, that's the thing. Like, we all, we went so far to keep it a secret, and, like, when I saw a sequel would called The Book of Albus, or, like, I assumed it would be called that, I thought it was Albus Dumbledore. Yeah. Like, I don't think we needed all that secretiveness about the sequel, because I don't think it gave that much away. But it never even occurred to me that it would be Albus Potter, because it never occurred to me that she would keep that canon future with Rose and Hugo. You know what I mean? Like, I, it, it never even occurred to add, me that she... She just add additional Potter children. Like they have well, yeah, she does. Yeah, I mean, which, which is fine, too. <laughs> which are really... Uh, there's a fun outtake about a poop that may be a bogger, which we'll get to shortly. <laughs> the bogger poop that, was awesome. <laughs> that you know what? That is my future. I just oh. have to say that. That is, that is absolutely. It's my Jen's future. future. It, and it well, and it reminded me of Gen two in the last episode that just came out. With the, the poop whole, stuff. The whole poop stuff. Well, it always concerns me when we start the podcast with, with with like a candlelight vigil for our friend in Australia, and then go right and poop. I'm like, should I put a, <laughs> sorry? Should well, I put like again, a moment of silence? There? The recording yeah, was, to release delay was a factor there. <laughs> <laughs> that was unfortunate too. And, and, you know, unfortunately, in the, in the weeks it's taken us to get this episode, Australia is burning. Oh. That was um, one thing I did love going into chapter forty-three was okay. Molly Weasley has has passed her own version of of you know the Muggleborn Protection Act over here, and she is personally saving you know countless lives, keeping families together. And Dean will not have to go camping now because this woman. And what happens? They're all bitching because they're all stuck in the house <laughs> and they're yeah. all pissed. And that is the most realistic thing. You can possibly hope because whenever you try and help someone they will find a way to bitch about it so i thought that was great yeah Ugh, yeah i like well, this you know they, they sorry they they get into this situation where they're you no know, they after a while the danger doesn't seem as present so then you can start bitching about mundane things the fact that you're not at your comfortable home you know, you're off somewhere else you know, whatever yeah. the grangers are off in australia some oh, did they end that, up was, going that was so sad when hermione said she wanted to do that again you know like where she was just like whatever i did last time. i'm glad it was sad here because it was a throwaway line that came She's like, oh yeah, I memory charmed her. My son's Australia. Yeah, yeah, what's for me was actually the, the the first moment in Deathly Hallows where I really like Hedwig's death was so sudden, and so was so was Moody's. But I don't know what it was about Hermione having to give up her parents and having them give up essentially forgetting that they even had a daughter. That just that was the the first really you know, emotional. I don't moment get why people. Can't, I mean, that broke, that really broke my heart. There, she said, "Well, if she's like, if after the war, I'll get them. But if, if I don't come back, I'll end and honest have yeah. No, the, well, the reason if, if you're asking why it didn't hit me as much, I think that the con. Concept is is heartbreaking, like you said. I just thought the delivery, like usually, because we were reading so much 
fan fiction before it where moments like that are, are like that's a whole episode of Star Trek right there do you or don't I mean I was used to like the ethical baits and Hermione punishing herself it was really fast paced and, and, and literally it was it was thrown out at you that she was doing this and all of a sudden you're in chapter 3 and I was like okay like I felt like it didn't get um, enough focus yeah I, I, I think that's that worked I mean I am I'm a big I know the fandom doesn't really like Deathly Hallows and I am a big defender of Deathly Hallows but I think oh I love Deathly Hallows parts yeah. of parts of it weren't handled well I don't think you know what it was too <laughs> and, and I, to, not to make it a Deathly Hallows cast there, there were parts of it that were really great character moments but instead of really pausing for a moment and taking advantage of great meaty material it kind of Joe really flew through it and left you to consider it for yourself like okay Harry can do the Crucialis curse now that implies he, he's you know he's come a long way since the end of order but then you have to stop and you're like other than seeing Dumbledore die and, and, and fighting Snape on the grounds you know was there anything that shocking that, that truly happened to him in that time and, and you have to stop and you're like well I guess you know he because you would think if he couldn't do it after Sirius Dumbledore wouldn't throw him over the top but there were a lot of moments there where I wish we got more you know attention paid to you know these what seemed to be wildly you know different character shifts you know Hermione doing that to her parents and Harry Crucioing people you you would just think that there would be more um, emphasis on it. it was my like playing from the canon it would have been 500 mm-hmm. pages longer to be what I think everybody would have wanted out of it it's, I remember when it was announced the, the size of the book that I was shocked that it was so short. Me too. I remember pulling it out of the box and thinking, God, how are you going to finish well, this? Well, I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily true because, like, even looking here, the scene with Arthur in the shed later with Harry and the scene with Neville with Harry in the greenhouse, I think, well, earlier they're in the greenhouse, I forget where they are when he calls Harry brainless and then, like, you know, the moment where Neville says, we're already gone, don't come back for us. Like, like a sentence, like, we're already gone, don't come back for us, that conveys everything I need to know. Like, even if there was a beat in Deathly Hallows or one of the characters where Harry makes a comment, I- I'm, I'm trying to think of just um, of what I'm trying to say. Let there me give you an example. There were plenty of lines like that in Death Hallows. I don't want, I don't want, I know, but for that, for the part, for Harry doing Oh, you mean dark for Harry mag- doing the Psyadis? Yeah, like, let me, let, like, let me give an example. I don't want to spoil anyone. Monocle mentioned something about, I, I, you think, okay, no, no, I, I think what, what I was thinking is that after he does the Crucio on Electo or Amicus, whichever Caro it is, McGonagall's, like, gonna scold him, and she doesn't scold him for doing the Cruciatus curse, she just tells him it's very foolish, and I don't yeah. think, it's, you're expecting her to, to say, how could you do a unforgivable Harry but then she yeah you know, some- you know that was too there was a moment where I was watching a TV show yesterday I was watching a Star Trek episode and I don't want to spoil this for anyone but the plot line is that the aliens known as the Cardassians are essentially they were an occupying force they occupied you know, the planet of yeah they occupied the Bajoran planet and, and they were like the, the Nazis to the Bajorans they were an occupying force and they put them in concentration camps and they, and, and they were brutal people for many many years and now times have changed and the Cardassians are being occupied. And you have a Bajoran resistance fighter training a Cardassian on how to be a resistance fighter now. So it's, it's a bookend. It's sh- the, the occupier is now the occupied. And there's a scene where one of the Cardassians who's now, you know, he's learning to be a resistance fighter, the force is now occupying him, have found out that he is a resistance fighter and they execute his family. And he, he just found out his wife and son were killed. And he just s- says out loud, what kind of people could, could, could do that? My wife and, and child had nothing to do with it. What kind of people give those orders to kill innocent civilians. And the Bajoran resistance fighter working with him, who needs him to, to resist, says, yeah, what kind of people give those orders? And it's this moment where she says it to the guy right after. She, he's basically saying, she's basically taking a crack at this guy for, for formally doing these things years ago, saying, yeah, what kind of people do these? You do them. But she's also saying it to him right after his wife and son died, which... Yeah. And there's this moment... 
moment like where she's Harry closed. tosses all the pensive memories in there and, and yeah. trying to rub it as much as possible. At, at yeah, but there's a moment where he closes his eyes, she closes her eyes and says, oh, that was stupid. We need him. I just alienated him completely. Why did I do that? And someone else says he needed to learn that lesson and there was no other way he could have learned him saying it. And this is a very powerful moment. Like, I would have loved a scene in Deathly Hallows where someone says something like, you know, I didn't think you could do, you couldn't do the Cruciatus curse when Sirius died. I'm shocked now. And if he even made a comment like, you know, so, you know, that was a long time ago or, you know, that was before, you know, Snape killed Dumbledore. Just something. Like, it, I just wish it was Yeah, lots of happened since then. Yeah, even something like that. Like, right when th- that character on Star Trek said, yeah, what kind of people? I instantly recoiled because I'm like, oh crap, she just lost him forever. Because she lost him forever, maybe, you know, the, the, the war will be lost, but maybe she got through to him. Maybe. So my mind instantly got it. Whereas, like, uh, Aaron says, reading canon, I'm like, well, did McGonagall get the fact that he was doing I'm like, it didn't feel true. Then. Which, in this story, there's a lot of scenes it does. When when Harry is told by Neville, essentially, cut the shit and, and treat the Weasleys better. Mm-hmm. And they are your Weasleys. And I think that was, because I went on record in the last podcast saying these weren't his Weasleys. His Weasleys died. You know what? They are essentially the same people. They've made different decisions, but they are the same people. And this isn't his Sirius, and this isn't his Snape, huh. but they are fundamentally the same people. They are Blackheart, but they are, you know, essentially, they're the same people. And you have to give them. You came back to save them. And it was actually funny because Ella converted me because I was as pissed at them last week as anyone. I was right there with Harry. But you know what? What sense does it make to come back in time and save their lives and then refuse to forgive them? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I thought that was... I don't know. I feel we just got off track a little bit there. But I thought that was really great. And then we come to the death of Neville. The moment I liked best was when Harry tries to go and save him and basically gets shot like you're not going anywhere. Luna yeah. basically uh, knocks him out for a day. Yeah. It's the only way to stop him. Well, I think up to that point, you know, I think only Moody had died. Anybody else died? I haven't read the, the first part of this fic while I was about to reread it. No. In anticipation of this I podcast coming out, and then I... No, we thought Percy died, but he didn't. So so these this is the, ter- the first two um The deaths. actual, yeah. And... And it's not just anybody, it's Neville, who's one of his closest friends, and, you know, somebody I think that Harry identifies with a lot because he understands how close Neville came to being the uh, the chosen one. And yeah. so I think Neville always has a, has a, a special place in Harry's heart as almost like a brother or like a, uh, or even almost almost like a, like a counterpart personality where it's, it's some, he could have been Neville. Or Neville could have been him, and he—he's always a reminder of that. And then the fact that he—he he dies, that Neville dies, and he—he he dies so nobly. He's like, I have no regrets, you know. Tell everybody yeah. you guys some. That broke my heart. That, that was. Don't you dare! Don't you dare blame heart. yourself! Don't, don't blame you yourself. dare blame yourself for this! Don't blame yourself. Like he's thinking about that because he's anticipating what's going to happen. It's oh, like yeah. at someone's death, they're trying to cheer you up. It's, they're saying they're going to die. Yeah, it, it was a great. And just having him go in there to save Moody, and and at the beginning when he goes into the it's like the information counter or whatever, and he's trying to find out where Moody is, and and he's just shaking his head at this lady. You know, you have set the Death Eaters on these people. What are you thinking? And she's just totally oblivious to everything that's going on and then to go up and find people? the trap. I'm sorry, Aaron, go ahead. They, he's like, why Why are we even fighting for these people at this point mm-hmm. when, when they're just going to hand people over to the Death Eaters without even thinking about it? Anyway. Well, another thing about Neville's character, too, like I've said before, um, like on Battlestar Galactica, I think the character of Laura Roslin in the miniseries is a very hopeful character because you have a woman who is you know, a mid-level bureaucrat and she finds out she has terminal cancer 
and she's going to die. She's the Secretary of Education. The, that's like... That's well, yeah, I mean, well, she's 43rd position. in line. I mean, she's cabinet, but she's Secretary of Education. So she's, you know, in the presidential cabinet, but she doesn't have you know, real power. She found out, you know, like 1030 in the morning, you have terminal cancer, you're going to die. And by the end of the day, she is sworn in as president after this massive Holocaust. And her life for the next, you know, however many years turns out very differently than I'm sure she imagined it would as she walked out of that doctor's office. So the character, even though it's a very dark character, you know, for what happens to her, it's always been very hopeful for me because it shows that no matter how bad things may be at 10.30 in the morning, you never know where you're going to end up and you may be more fulfilled than ever. So don't lose hope. So it's a, it's a very hopeful uh, character for me. When you look at Neville, whenever, never trust your eyes. Never trust expectations without giving people a chance. Look how he always starts off the canon. He's the quasi-squib who can't sit on his broom and who can't protect his rememberal without help and who is socially awkward and, you know, all this. And he turns out to be the kid who chops the head off Nagini. Mm-hmm. And he That's turns out to be the kid... the most awesome moment in the entire series. Yeah, like, you still got me. And he charges down those stairs to defend Harry. I mean, you never know what someone's capable of. And he's such, such a hopeful character that it's so sad that, you know, no matter how many times Harry comes back, Neville keeps dying. Like, he, he's not destined to do this. But also, Neville doesn't care. Neville would be proud to know that there, he took them out with him. And... There's a throwaway moment in his interlude where he's like, he wished he had kissed Hannah Abbott on Christmas or whatever. So the only one that pictured, like, episode 58, the bosom of Hannah Abbott at that point, like, oh, poor <laughs> Neville. <laughs> yeah. I hope you looked. That was a great little fic but... that they did. That. Never, never mind. That's They were going off topic now. Uh, yeah, sorry. Must stay on topic. Uh, I'll, I'll play the role. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, the bosom of Hannah Abbott. But, and I love that, well, I didn't love, but, you know, that Rayback had killed his parents moments before, so they were waiting for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When he got there, that was a great moment. Especially when Harry goes to the other, to the afterlife, if you want to call it. He goes there a great deal. He, he Harry dies and goes to heaven a lot. I thought that was great that Neville was there at the end. Neville was there. Yeah. yeah. Wait. Well, the one thing that gave me hope was that even in the afterlife, you still man hug. I thought that was nice. <laughs> you still hug <laughs> like uh, men do time to time. Yeah. And I love that when Harry comes out of the love room and he has, which was a great scene. <laughs> yeah. uh, yes. Uh, speaking of the love room scene, uh, Ryan, you seem to have a thing about people having sex in inappropriate places. And <laughs> You know what? I am sorry. I have never like gone to the mall and been sitting at the food court and been like, hey, look at that table. Like, it just, like, I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, like, just, like you have all the places, all the people in all the fix we've covered have had sex in inappropriate places, the love room tops it, and it'll probably top it until we end podcast. Well, it's not just that it's in the love room, but it's in the love room with their son watching. Watching. <laughs> like, <it's, laughs> he just watched. That's a... Yeah, it's, um, that was... Unfortunate. Yeah, that was very (laughs) unfortunate. Like, I use the expression all the time, uncomfortable moments, or, like, watching mom and dad do it, but... (laughs) This is, like, it has to be, like, something else. I should have guessed it was them because of all the shoot, like, the the feet shuffling after that, but it's, like... (laughs) Well, I was gratified that in the love room this time there was actually love present, because just read Final Reckoning where it was the blood room, (laughs) because blood never... Yeah, but it was a really great scene where Harry leaves understanding love. He understands that he's going to sacrifice himself for love, and he's very content with that. And, uh, you know, he has that scene with Ron after that, yeah. where he's like, Ron, I-, I think it turned me into a girl, because I-, I-, I understand love. <laughs> I and put that in my And mind. they embrace, and they man-hug, and they pat each other in the back customary three times, and Ron's like, no, it did turn you into a girl. Just like, <laughs> which is wonderful, because in most of these fics, it turns Harry to a cat. That was a Nice change. Fix. What was the significance of Rodolphus? Uh, they need him to get into the vault. In the right. Yeah. Because he's really right, okay. And... Get into the vault without them needing 
to uh, you know Polly. And he and he and he was unfortunately um, deceased by the time. Well, Harry you don't know, actually know what happens to him. Um, until, oh really? Uh, you don't you don't actually ever they never mention fake what happens to him. He just t- shows up missing. Talks me back. Gotcha. Oh, can I just say one moment I love too is when he looks back in the love room at Sirius falling through the veil, and he realizes that he loved Sirius so much he couldn't possibly have not gone to ministry, and that he shouldn't blame himself. All I can picture is, do you mean I had to read through that damn scene eighty-seven thousand times with Harry blaming himself, and all you had to do was send him into the damn love room? And they, oh, I get it. People love me, and they want to be with me, and I shouldn't feel guilty. He kills me. Um, I um, we were talking about Neville and how what a great role he has in this. I also think Jenny or not Jenny, uh, Luna has a good role in this fic as well. Oh, um, Luna has an excellent. Yeah, yeah. I really utilize Ella. Really utilizes all the the main characters. I think a lot better in this fic than are utilized in so many other fics. Uh, Sirius is is great. Remus not not as much. Uh, but Snape, I love the Snape the Sirius great. and Snape dynamic in this fic. It's so good. And yeah. <sighs> it's the only fic it, I've ever seen where I bought I bought the fact that Snape cared for Harry. Well, and, you know, it's not just even that he cares yeah. for Harry. Is that he he it, him caring for Harry is one thing. Him caring for Sirius, and then uh, if have you you've read all the uh, the outtakes, right? I have. Yeah. The last I think it's the last Elvendork, outtake yeah. uh, where they they resolve the Elvendork how what the bet was about Elvendork and that it's if he ever becomes best friends with uh, Severus that he has to name his first child Elvendork. I thought that was awesome that it, something so unfor- unlikely became you know came to pass. And I like a picture during that Elvendork scene where you find out that Snape is actually best friends with Sirius. Was I was picturing Remus Lupin sitting in a bar somewhere having someone play Hairs to the Loser because I'm like I thought they were best friends they had a thing I don't know like the Marauder I don't know poor Remus been replaced by Severus Snape as the best buds department. But. Well you know Sirius and Re- they, they they mention it but they have so much in common that you know they they, they almost you know if they had been both sorted into Slytherin they might have been best friends from the start yeah you know that's another another time another place I did really enjoy that I really did enjoy that though and I really did enjoy um, the moment where Harry dies yes or All the supposedly dies on coming out well not, not only that but he makes the um the runes oh the Patronuses oh, coming out I oh yeah that, no it's not no, let, more than in Death Hallows when he resurrects and, the, and he asks he's not alone oh. and he's so calm and he's so he knows it's gonna happen and he understands love and he's he's so ready for it and Merlin's with him and all the Patronuses Ginny's Patronuses right there next to him but the moment I loved was Talisman mm-hmm. where um he, he he protects everyone he cares for with what we find out to be the same blood protection that um that Lily used yeah. the moment Exactly. Where Snape, um, hold on, he does well in canon. He, he, he the blood magic protection works the same way in canon. He just doesn't do the rune. Right. No. Where, what specifically are you talking about? The, the blood protection works in canon. In, in canon, when he dies, when Voldemort kills him, he gives the blood protection to everybody. That's why none of Voldemort's. Um, that's why he keeps si- oh, I forgot that. Work. The crowd that and he keeps wearing off. Right. Oh, you're right. Okay. That's, oh, that's, that's awesome. I absolutely forgot that. They had to for Neville and all of that because Harry had saved them with the blood. Oh, protection. I completely forgot that. You know what? I love DH now. I get it. Okay, that makes it so much better. Um, but I, it's a wonderful fic. It's, it's so a wonderful that, fic. That, J.K.R. That, you didn't get that because Harry died for them. After Harry died, nobody got hurt. Right. I never. I forgot that. I, I did remember it. I read it, but I forgot that part. Um, but the one thing I did really love here was where Snape is watching Harry go, and he, 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 it's during Snape's interlude, which I missed during my first reading. It makes a lot more sense now. And he realizes that he w- wished he could talk to Harry, and if he could say anything, he would likely apologize. And he has that. And I could picture this so clearly in my head. We were talking earlier about how this would be a great meeting. You could picture, like, I'm picturing, like, the Flash, like, you know, Cisco is talking to the prophets, like, weird cinematography. And I could picture the Flash and Snape in his dungeon, and it's Harry looking at him with probably a very odd expression on his face. I'm picturing 
you know, a lot of CGI with his eyes or whatever. What was the exact dialogue? It was, Harry thanks Snape for loving his mom. Snape says he's sorry, and Harry says, I'm not. And it's just this really quiet little moment, and then it's over, and Harry's quote-unquote dead. Am I? And everyone... Sorry. Did you not get that? No, go ahead. No, no, no. I'm just looking for a part that I swear I invented now, because it's not in Snape's interlude, and I thought there was a part where he realized the engineering of the same Patronus. No, you did. No, um... I think... No, I don't remember who remembers. No, I think you're right. He does does recognize that they have the same Patronus. Yeah, there it is. It's, right, no, right it's not in Snape's interlude. Whispers oh. it's, um, voices. Patrick. Severus paused for several moments, staring at Ginny's, Ginny Potter's Patronus. It was identical to his. Then he blinked and it was gone. Yeah. So where is that? It's, is, it, is it not it's in Snape's right interlude? Above. It's in Snape's interlude right above where he has the the flash of... Oh my prepared. gosh. I was searching. I like was doing control fine furnace and in that chapter, and I really like this little... I I'm, I'm find it interesting that Ella chose to have a Snape interlude at this point where we got to see what Harry said to Snape. You know, because I was very curious, sort of, to see, like, what he would say to everyone else. And I find it an interesting choice that she used Snape in this interlude so we could see what he said to Snape. Yeah, and she does reveal later on a couple of other people, I think, Hermione mm-hmm. and Molly Weasley uh, sees him as a toddler. And he doesn't say anything, but he, but she realizes that he had the burden at that age. And then I think Arthur, uh, they mention what Ar- he says to Arthur. I think, I think they're just, I think him and Jenny are just having sex in a little flash, like... <laughs> no, it's like a little... Pe- no, can I just say, what was the line? It was like a little piece of me will always be making love to a little <laughs> yes. piece of you, and she's like, yeah. and he's like, oh, I never thought of it that way. That's so deep. That I'm like, what the hell are we talking about? That? I know. It's like I'm like, this is like, this is weird. Like I don't want to be here. With that. Um, I was, I was gonna say that Merlin coming out and being with Harry at the last was really touching. I thought, especially once once you figure out who it is at the end mm-hmm. of the fic, it's his own son watching his his father go out to to kill, to kill, basically let himself be killed. Right. For, mm-hmm. You know, and for everybody. That he I love a one shot. From Merlin's perspective, there, yeah, love a one shot from Merlin's perspective, walking down with him. Yeah, that he asked that Harry asked Merlin to take off the disillusionment charm so that he wouldn't be tempted, tempted to him. use the wand. Yeah, it's just such. It's just a very. It's, it's so well written, and you have you know Dumbledore facing off against Voldemort, which never you know in his prime, you know not having been had his arm killed by um, by the Deathly Hallow or by the Horcrux of uh, the Stone. It's such a great way to retell the scene. You know, with Sirius there, with Dumbledore there, Snape there on Harry's side, Neville gone. There's a um, um, a fic I'm called. Uh, what is it? A Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, and I'm not kidding. It's called Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows do-over and it's basically it's actually really good uh it, it, it it's a really good do-over fic but uh one of the the uh, let me read the uh, bit which is description of it is snape doesn't die in such a lame way <laughs> and you, you think about it for a second you're like well you know snape did kind of die kind of lamely in deathly hallows but no. so that's i didn't um, think it was lame i really really hate it when people criticize deathly hallows because i thought it was really oh it's it's a great book don't get me wrong i i love deathly hallows i read it twice on day on release day the the climax of the the series was everything I could expect, but Snape does die in a in a you know he doesn't doesn't go out you know saving somebody he's yeah he just kind of dies. I didn't expect him yeah. to like maybe we were just like going into it on totally different planes maybe. I don't know what I really expected from Snape. I, I was I was sure half ex- I was half expecting him to die off screen. You know, to them find out, oh, Snape died. I was pretty sure that was. Why the, wouldn't it? But I was yeah. I was also fairly certain he was going to be dead at the end of the fic and the end of the end of the story. And you know, I, I, he doesn't have a heroic death. You know, whatever. It is, but I haven't gotten to the point where he dies in this fic I'm reading. So maybe it will be even lamer. But we'll see. But uh, the, the point was is that he's here at the final battle this time. He's there actually actively participating. He doesn't even fire a curse in the final battle of the, of the Battle of Hogwarts in Deathly Hallows. He, he doesn't even participate at all. 
after he once he gets out of the castle, he's he just flies off and gets killed by a Nagini bomb. Wasn't there like a Snape-sized hole in the wall? Yeah, he he jumps out a window and flies away. Wasn't there like a descriptor, like it was a Snape-sized hole? Yeah, or like a, a Snape-shaped hole. Yep. Mm-hmm. That cracked me up. Like it was. In the, like, <laughs> The thing is, like, when I was reading that, like, I was sobbing through, like, the last half of the book. And then when the sna- when I got to the Snape shape hole in the wall, I started cracking up. <laughs> I was cracking up before that when um, Cho tries to take Harry up to the com- to the Ravenclaw common room. And Jenny's like, no, 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 Luna, you're up. Luna, do it. Anyway, I hated that part. I, I really hated that. That made me thought, so mad. That was so hilarious. Oh, whatever. <laughs> Criticizing Deathly Hallows now. P.S. Rather, you'd rather not be such a jealous so person. And then Cho dies. Cho didn't die. I'm pretty sure she dies. May I just too many. Cho doesn't die. Cho does not die. Okay, never mind then. Are you thinking of Colin Creevy? I know Colin oh. dies. I, I just also just finished reading another fic that you guys are covering later. The Year of Darkness. Oh, great! Thanks for the spoiler. That's not Cho really a spoiler. Dies. Cho dies in Cho dies in that now, doesn't she? Because that's why you thought Cho died. No, maybe not. They might have been different. Did Lavender Brown die? No. Lavender Brown. Uh, That's a popular mis. Not the not the uh, not the author. Not the author. No. Because <laughs> no, um... here's the thing about that scene, and I have read this scene very carefully because I read it wrong the whole time, and I thought, see, the thing is, when I read it, I thought she had to be dead because I thought she fell. I thought they were up on the higher level. Oh, that's and right. And Greyback yeah. jumped on her, and they fell, and he was on top of her. But no, it's they were. He jumped on her. He wasn't on her though. Lavender's not dead. She could be dead, but I oh, don't think... Oh, come on! <laughs> what? You know could be dead? Everybody but Harry, Ron, Hermione, Ginny, and Percy could be Anybody dead. specifically... they're the only people we see in the epilogue. No, there's, um, there's more people that you see in the epilogue, and more well, people you, you, you see... Well, you know what I mean. I mean, if you're home. gonna... But you, you get my point. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I, she really glosses over that part. She says there's, what, 50 dead or something, and then but she only mentions like three or four specific people, and then he just kind of can't see everybody else. I would say the 50 dead is counting Death Eaters, so that would be, you know, I mean... No, I think it was allied. I think no, it was the good it was, guys. It was total. I am looking... That's not in the fic, or that's not... What, no, it's on Ryan, the... You have, in, in the I like to point out when I say the fic, I get yelled at. Can I just point that I'm out? I'm finding here? it. I'm looking Your on fault. Where do you look this up when you go to... I'm looking on the lexicon! Lexicon's good place. Although they... Oh, now we need Steve Vanderark. I see how it... <laughs> this episode of Potterfic Weekly has been brought to you by Harry Potter Lexicon, and what's this book called? Lexicon, oh my gosh. Why can't I... It has to be nice when you just don't care what people think of you. Uh, bet, look up the Battle of Hogwarts, or uh, on the timeline, it might it might pop oh, up. I am a hundred percent sure that she says that the fifty is both sides. Okay, uh, I don't I don't remember where that. I'm pretty sure that's not from the book itself, but no, it's from. No, of course not. A, it's from the uh, an interview. interview. But I'm saying. Um, well, my question to you, Ryan, was this: reading the the final battle and not having read the Book of Albus, did anything pop out at you? Any anything that that might be possibly setting up for the future? All right, I'm going to tell you that because I've read those chapters a couple days ago. I remember Harry was immobilized watching the duel between Voldemort and Dumbledore. Um, he uh, he had the invisibility, Albus had the invisibility cloak, which he returned to Harry. I remember Fred and George blew up some giants. That he, he tells Harry that he can't take away the, the pain, but that he can hold him immobile when... No, specifically the, the last part of the final battle where he's fighting Voldemort. He's fighting Voldemort. Voldemort a... shoots Ginny. Voldemort shoots Ginny with the Avada Kedavra curse, and it reflects off of Ginny and kills Voldemort. I remember thinking it didn't specifically state that Voldemort died. It just, re- I remember that the curse reflected, and it's like Harry runs to Ginny and no one bothers thinking of Voldemort. Yeah, Harry. Harry so I just assumed it hit. Harry's like, oh, he's dead. I'm not even going to look at it. I'm just going to go catch Ginny. And that's what, 
it does mention that he um, that he hears the body fall to the ground. Um, okay. That's not what I was talking about, though. No, that's good. Ella did something very good here and hides a very big piece of foreshadowing in this chapter. I'm not going to sp- specifically state what it is, but you will, um, okay. at, at some point when you're reading the next fic, you will understand what the, what the I'm talking about. Oh, cool. I really, like, I, I really love it. in our private it. box what yeah. you're talking about. I'm, I'm just going to um, copy the, the text for you real quick. I'm pretty sure I know. I just am not sure. I didn't see it the first time either, and it wasn't until I'm doing this reread now after I've read the Book of Albus that I saw it, and I was like, oh, that's awesome that it was in there, because I, I didn't remember it being in there. It, it, it's Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. I really did like the death scene here. I like that, that Voldemort just doesn't, you know, cast that vat of cadaver and is done. The thing he does, the fiend fire, is awesome. Well, it's too that he, he doesn't understand love, and they do that thing that they do in many fics, where Harry says that love is the thing that you don't know, and I like the spin that's put on it here, is love is the only thing that can conquer death, and you're obsessed about conquering death, and it's the only thing you haven't tried. Yeah. And, um, but Voldemort doesn't get love, but he gets that Ginny is Harry's love. He understands that much, so he thinks by killing Ginny, he will kill that terrible power within Harry, and because of the blood protection, it, it, re- it rebounces. It's very nice plot, it's very neat plot, and it works very well. The one thing I loved, which is just, it seems to be happening in all the fics nowadays, is the minute it's over, Harry's like, come on, Ginny, I want to go look at your breast, and they run up to the castle, and they run into the room of requirements. It's, <laughs> well, it's no, like, she's, Jesus. she's got a, she's, she got hit in the breast. I mean, that's where the, that's where the thing hit. She's bleeding there. She's, he's yes, got to fix it. He's got to make, make it better. Sure that they are still okay. Yeah. yeah. And the only so they thing, go to the, the hospital wing to get her checked out, right? by testing them. <laughs> well, yeah, if, if you consider the room of requirement the hospital ring, right? mm-hmm. it could be yeah. the hospital there. In many fix, the room of the choir, room of requirement is more the love room than the love room in a... Uh, Repeat yeah. after me. Imagine. Turn around. Yeah. <laughs> love room was used if, like, ministry workers decided to go run off rookie in the love room. <laughs> it's gotta have the... You know what would have been great is if they did it on the rotating red heart bed that we all think is in there with, like, the coin-operated gyrating. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing, too, is there's the line that they made love in front of, like, under a spotlight, and I believe it was meant to be a metaphor, but the first time I read it, I thought it was an actual spotlight. It was an actual spotlight, too. And then it was, like, the magic of the love room responding to their love. Oh, God. This is too weird for me. Let's move on from the love room. Yeah. I, I like the, the last line of the chapter. Let's not tell everyone that we had Merlin on a grass to begin and did nothing about it. Yeah. Here's the question I have. Is he the actual Merlin, or is that just like a pseudonym? It's a pseudonym. Don't it's a pseudonym. go along. It, it is explained in the in the book. It, it's not like he's actually Merlin of of legend. It's just a name that he's. Is it? I thought that was all. Unless I missed a part. I th- never once believed that it was Merlin of legend, even before we had no idea who it was. Yeah. I always knew it was some ca- some canon character using a pseudonym. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it was weird because it was like they never addressed it. Everyone's like, maybe I'm Merlin. Maybe I'm Merlin. Maybe I'm Merlin. And I'm like, I'm waiting for someone to say, I wonder if it's actually Merlin. Merlin. Like it just seems. No, odd that it wasn't. It doesn't make any sense for it to be a non. It has to be somebody who is connected with these people. It has to have some sort of personal stake in it. Otherwise, why would you go back in time and try to fix things? Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't know if it was the actual Merlin, but the actual Merlin. It turns out the big reveal was the actual Merlin was someone that they all know. Okay. I didn't know if it was just someone taking the name of Merlin or not. And it seemed maybe odd that if it was someone who just was using the name, that no one would think. Hmm, I wonder if it's actually the real thing. I think like, Merlin. It could have been in this universe. Merlin is. To above them for them to ever think like it would be like thinking that it might actually be Jesus you know what I yeah. mean well but that would be the thing if they called it Jesus but didn't actually wonder is it the real Jesus or is it just a guy named Jesus you know I mean? it's no like, but that's, they, what, that's what I mean just, I don't think like if you wrote a story like a real book or something like where, where there was this situation and somebody was being called Jesus or God you would never be like is it Jesus like that just sort of 
of seems irrelevant what they're trying to do. Yeah, but someone would say, hmm, that's an interesting name he's using. Like, for example, take Merlin and replace it with do a find all, replace all, and take out every Merlin and put in Steve, and it doesn't change anything. So it just seems, you know, the fact that it's Merlin, oh, Merlin. I think the reason they... I thought without them ever saying that it was a pseudonym. Like, I I was expecting the whole time that it was going to be revealed that someone we knew was using pseudonym of Merlin. I don't remember how I took it that either. I think, I think, does Luna call him Merlin? I think Luna calls him. Luna does. But Luna, Luna calls, yeah, Luna does the calls Harry yeah. and, and Ron, no, you know. Luna, no, it's, it is, he, he calls, oh, you mean in the second, in Book of Albus. No, I, was, I meant in no, this fic. This, no, this I, I was going to yeah. No, in uh, this fic, it's thing, out but, of left field, isn't it? It's just, he just says, I'm Merlin. That's the trigger no, that no, locks but, for no, him now. Be, no, Luna no, no, calls it's not. them what, King Arthur and, and all of that, and so yeah. Merlin just fits in with that. Yeah, oh, that, that's what you mean. Sorry. Yeah, and she and she even says in the beginning, maybe it's Merlin. Then when you find out that she actually has contacts, perk, it's Merlin. My thought is, I read a lot of sci-fi, mm-hmm. and I, I watch a lot of sci-fi. So I'm used to, but I'm used to storyline. For example, if someone I knew went back in time and was JFK. A while reading this, I thought that, that Merlin from the past was traveling in the future, and that he knew Harry as a result of the fact he came into the future, or maybe he's someone in the past who went back to save Harry, and maybe would go back and live life of Merlin. So I actually did believe going through it was one and the same. So that's why I, at the end I was like. Hmm. Like you didn't think yeah, you it, didn't think Merlin was Merlin you thought like Albus or which Yes. And the reason it was confusing for me too was that it didn't seem like the characters like like it literally could have been Steve. What is this? You know, I'm oh my Steve. gosh, what is the story where that there is a story where that happens where somebody God what is it? I've read the story where Dumbledore is actually God or Griffin. No, I don't mean it was it was not a fic, a Harry Potter fan. It was like a real movie or T V show or book where somebody what? went back in time and became a famous person like or like they because they always were the person like they acted mm-hmm. what is that listeners if you know what I'm talking about what am I talking it's, hmm. yeah. <laughs> like I can't remember whether like it was its own thing or like if it was a Star Trek episode or like a Twilight Zone or something like that. Oh, it had to have been a Star Trek episode. That happens all the time. It had to have been yeah. a Star Trek. Episode. I don't think. No, it was Cisco. He goes back and he's um Gabriel Bell. It no, it was, no, it was it was bigger than that. Like it was it wasn't bigger than Gabriel Bell. <laughs> I I haven't seen Deep Space Nine. Yeah, this is uh, he's oh, he does have a good example PS, like, but you obviously not thinking of that one. No, I'm, I'm not thinking of that one because I haven't seen it. Maybe a Twilight it Zone was, episode. Or it was, yeah. when I say it was bigger than that, I mean he was like Julius Caesar or something. It was like a Julius big, or a big yeah. famous person. Because oh, when deep, Ryan saying deep. JFK tri- tripped me off to it, that somebody there is some, their story where somebody always was this famous person. And uh, well, that's just very deep, and, and <laughs> I think we should all sleep on that and try and figure that one out. Um, I did like. I'm just looking at little notes here. I have down. I did like the fact that Dumbledore protected Harry's body and said, "You will not further des- desecrate his body." Mm-hmm. I thought that was just a great moment because they actually do believe he's dead. And you that's have the whole plot That's in canon. That's or it's sort of in canon. Well, it's it, not in canon. Cause... Well, it's not technically in. It's but they do when Harry dies and tends to be dead, and then he gets up and and leaves. He gets up and moves. Somebody notices he's dead and is yelling about desecrating corpse. Or somebody notices he's not there. Do you remember that part? Hagrid in notices De- he's not there. In Deathly Hallows, when they bring him out, when Hagrid brings him out, and then he gets up when nobody's looking, then somebody else looks and sees he's not there, and they're starts hmm. yelling out, how, like, how dare you? Well, I forget that point, but I also forgot the part about the blood protection, so I, I, I'm, I'm not sure if anybody says think, anything about desecrating his body. I, know, I, I don't think find, it was. I'm finding it because the book. I, I just definitely remember that scene. P.S. is having, like, flashbacks to a former life tonight. Every two minutes, I remember something! 
talking about the God. Uh. King Ross. That whole desecration line actually reminded oh, me a it, lot it of the is. Bible. Sorry, it's it's. You're right, Aaron. He just says Harry. Where's Harry? Yeah. Hagrid just. Do you think it reminds you of the Bible? They, it just reminded me because the fact Yeah, it reminds me of uh, of um, the resurrection story in the Bible. I don't know how biblical you people are, but uh, crazy people. But uh, the uh, I don't remember the exact chapter and verse alludes me. But in the in the resurrection story, when Mary goes to the tomb, she asks uh, Jesus, who she doesn't recognize as Jesus, where is his body? We don't want him to desecrate it or something like that. Then he reveals himself or whatever. But it's you know a similar kind of. Um, it makes me wonder if maybe that Anne is religious in some small way. Or Ella, sorry. Anne. Ella. I got. Let's call her Dead Woodpecker. <laughs> Dead Woodpecker. Yes, there we go. Ella, sorry, I get I got confused for some reason. Going to the next chapter, Harry finally. Well, let me just ask this: way we think of the fact that Merlin modified Harry's memory, so Harry wouldn't remember the fact that he, was that part I of it? I think he had to do I was, it because I think if he had allowed him to remember that his son was coming back, when you know that like something like that is going to happen, you get too dependent on the future happening. But that's the, I guess that's the question I have. That's the question I have here, which maybe I'm not getting. I don't get why Al had to go back in time, tell Harry he was going back in time, and wipe Harry's memory of the conversation where he tells Harry to go back. That's a Book of Albus thing. Um, there, but there is a thing. There's a reason for that. Because it doesn't yeah. make sense to me. Why doesn't Al just go back, you know, with cloak over his head? Be why does he have to tell Harry he's doing it and then wipe? Because he memory? needed like that. Like the... there's a, a more specific reason as well. Like he he wipes. Um, he makes one of the memory modifications he makes is he makes uh, well, Harry. He doesn't wipe his memory. It's forget for now. Because when he says it's forget for now, when he says I'm Merlin, the person member, he does it to Percy and he does it to Luna. Okay. Because I like that part too. That Luna is the god. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Percy. So I like that little connection. Yeah. Percy's Godfather. Yeah, I like that little connection right there. I think that really just well, see, that, it up that's, a lot well, more. It's not really, it's, it's that's why he sought them out. Like, you get into a loop thing. It's like, because they were his godparents, that's why they're the ones he seeks out when he goes back in time. Also, we, we can't really talk about too much without getting into the plot of the of the second book, which is manages to be, I think, fairly distinct from this story because of the, of the completely different perspective you have on all these events. Mm-hmm. It's 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 telling, it's 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 like the, the books, like the Year of Darkness, where you have, you know, the same story being told but from two completely different perspectives it's still fascinating to read and they're complete and they can stand by themselves very well and uh, although i think I, it does help i will say this so. and i will say it grew on me like when i first read it i really i have to admit i wasn't all that enthused i the book of um, the, yeah but thinking about it now and rereading backward with purpose uh-huh. i get more and more excited about it well can i just point out one part i do love here i love the part that everyone every year pretends to have been merlin <laughs> yeah and comes up comes up with these very creative reasons why they're Merlin, and that's part of the running gag. And I like the fact that Hermione is aghast because a book was desecrated. That um, <laughs> Merlin erases the copy of Memory Unbound, leaves the note in it. All had better fucking be well. And Arthur, who according to P.S. has a helmet on his head, pokes his head in and says, "Well, at least we know it's not Molly. She never swears. She never would have said that, <laughs> unless that's what she wants you to think." Well, and, and you remember that um, the author of the book is is listed as the wise ass, but then you later find find out that's uh, what uh, and, you know, and nobody thinks that that could be initials. No, it's yeah. very clever that way. Hold on, Albus Sever. Oh, I'm I just, just getting it now. Brian, how could you not have gotten that? Like, everybody, that was like well, the, big, I hear it. the big thing, like, after yes. Deathly Hallows, they were like, Harry Potter well, no. gave his child the initials that felt asked. Yeah. Well, well, I wasn't there for that. Well, I was there. I just <laughs> We're two. 
No, that was actually the moment. I think it was in the because you get close to the end of the um, the last uh, the epilogue is when you can when you finally have the 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 actual clues where you can figure out who it is when they start talking about how he's been gone for a long time and how he's an unspeakable and then he mentions yeah. his his initials and you're like ah uh, that's who it is and, crap yeah um, well then and one thing I'm interested in looking into in the next uh, Vic two is how much of it is predestination how much of it is the fact that because Albus learns about Merlin realize he was Merlin and go back how Merlin versus there is no Merlin because the first time he does it there is no Merlin because they did it once without Merlin there is a strange type of predestination however when you get into the second book there's a series of rules that are immutable about time travel um, Mm -hmm. that you that you learn and he has to follow rigidly or else um, something will intervene or he won't be able to do certain things and that's kind of the hand of fate preventing him from changing um, the timeline too much he has some leeway but not but he can't like for example he can't just walk up to Voldemort and kill him because Harry has to do that. He can't mm-hmm. just he can't just you know, beam through the shield, doing whatever he wants. Yeah, he can't he can't kill Harry, for example, if he wanted to, but he doesn't want to. Leave the holodeck without the grid exploding. <laughs> it's like the, the, we can't make it too easy. We have to have these rules. I like. Well, it's and so. but it's it's less. It's not like the Prime Directive where it's basically a guideline rather than a rule because they break it in every episode. It's it's it's, it's real. Like it, these are, he really yeah. can't do it. Like he is, these are like laws like, of. You'll see, well, yeah, you you'll have see to... what happens when he tries, but like. Yeah. It's so hard to visualize, like, actually happening, but he can't do it. Yeah. Well, you have to have those rules or else storylines. Well, it says, I think it's like, I think like the first two rules are like, you can't erase yourself being born and you can't um, change what has already been. Well, thank God, because I hate it when they do that in Star Trek episodes. Find the rules real quick. There's like, there's like three or four. I think there's four. I read them this morning when I was downloading the into the it, text it's reader. It's the prophecy. Right. It's yourself being born. No one tell I haven't read it. No it's <laughs> obvious. You really don't have to be a genius to I, come up with them. Well, thank you. I don't know what they are yet. So <laughs> apparently I'm the Arthur Weasley of the group. Well, I'll, I'll drag us back and say that I like the fact that uh, Snape became a marauder and that they had to come up with a good name for him. Uh, what was it? Which, uh, he was Blackheart Black Black or something like that. Which Black actually was great being very re- appropriate. Well, I really like the fact that Snape is a marauder and I really like fact that Sirius is one of the outtakes describing why he is in fact Merlin came back in Snape's body because only he could get Snape to lose his virginity <laughs> so came back on a desperate quest to use his charm yeah. and I, I don't know by the way I really did enjoy it yeah three laws of time travel time tra- the traveler may not call- create a reality which the traveler no longer exists this will cause pain unto death tra- um, traveler may not change prophecy and that which has been foretold by the ones with the far-seeing eyes this will cause pain unto death the traveler may not challenge the cornerstones of fate which is capitalized upon which reality turns this will cause pain unto death and you don't really know what that last one means but uh, you kind of learn about it through the fic but anyway I think Sue has to go cool. oh, so you go, you're going. oh she already done that okay so yeah that's the those are the time traveling rules of awesomeness very cool I'm looking forward I'm going to start this one, I, forward not, to I, one. I still can't figure out what that story is <laughs> it'll come it'll come PS it'll come to um, I just had a couple don't, don't push. more things to talk about um, go for there's it. a great line in the the next to last chapter the, sw- the sweet far thing chapter 47 they're trying to figure out Snape's nickname and there's a line where it's like Harry began to wonder how they'd ever named themselves perhaps the four years they'd spent trying to become animagi had in actuality been spent trying to figure out their nicknames 
<laughs> uh, how long were they working oh, on Snape's? If Harry wasn't there, they might have been working on it for another year. Like I, I can see that yeah. happening. Like I turn into a rat. What should we call me? I know we'll call you Rat Tail. Now. <laughs> they can figure it out the first day. Rat tail. Well, they could figure out all the. They could make out. They could work out all the Animega stuff on the first day, but it took them five years just to figure out really cool nicknames. Well, it's like the Doctor from Voyager. It takes them thirty-three years to come up with a name that's Joe. I mean, <laughs> yeah. sometimes it's crap. Out. I'm, I'm sorry. It's a great I, line. I, that was great. <laughs> took you thirty-three years to come up with Joe. Yeah. Like, it's the one good thing to come out of that damn episode. And then, uh, looking through my notes here, uh, Harry brings Arthur a snack. Oh, I'm sorry. That I thought that would be funnier. It actually was, and I read it loud. Um, <laughs> there's the moment where, well, this is actually coming up, um, chapter 48, but you have the moment where Harry gives Arthur an arriving lawnmower, and, like, Arthur dies on the spot. <laughs> He's like, dude, it's a lawnmower. Drive it. Molly can't get mad at me because it's a fly. Because if it flies, it wouldn't be a lawnmower. It's just a beautiful moment. And it, I really did like the moment, too, though, in chapter 47, where he goes out to Shed to talk with Arthur. Oh. And it's a cool relationship, too, because you don't see the line canon. There's no real Harry Arch. No, so it was a nice add-on here. The problem with the canon is she doesn't have the time to be as character-driven as, you know, we would probably like, but especially with the characters. Well, well right, and you'd have to expect in the first timeline, too, there's no serious, um, you know, Remus died. Everyone dies, so he doesn't really have those relationships, and everyone pretty much dies within a year of Sirius anyway, so it's not like he gets, you know, extensive time to form bonds with these people, but he does form one with Arthur, and that carries over. So in this, I love the moment where he walks out there, and Arthur just has his head in his hand. And he's been waiting every day for Harry to go out, and Harry hasn't. And one of the things I think, I was questioning it in my mind, and I eventually decided I really liked it, was would the Weasleys just finally get pissed off at Harry and be self-defensive and say, enough, you know, stop punishing us. And they don't. He feels awful every single day, and he will continue to feel awful every single day. And it's the point where Harry realizes that, Harry goes out there and he apologizes to them. And it's this moment where he realizes that they can, can still be his Weasley. Yeah. And he, by the way, throws in the fact that he wants to marry Ginny. Well, and and Arthur's like, take her, take her. He realizes they are still her Weasleys. They are the same people. They just they made a mistake. I think and... Doing that, like I think I always thought that was a like a um reaching out a hand to them marrying Ginny again because technically he do because they're already married. Well, and also he but technically doesn't have it's to ask new... for permission, but he's doing it anyway. I mean, well, like they, yeah. they, I mean, I know they're not legally married in this timeline, but they could just have gone to you know be married, just yeah. gone and gotten a marriage yeah. with the justice of peace, but I mean, the, I think the fact that he's going to do it properly for the, I mean, it's really for the doing it. I think that was him reaching out a hand. I'm not necessarily sure if it was, because I didn't get the sense that when Harry walked out to the shed with Arthur, that he got it. I think out there talking to Arthur, I think it clicked in his head that they are still his Weasleys, and he had walked out there to ask for permission, so I don't get the sense he had fully gotten it, really, until he he was already out there. Maybe not so, I don't know, so maybe got so, it, but I do think that he at least wanted to not... Well, it's the moment, too, where he walks out there and um, Fred and George and everyone... Everyone's very awkward around him. He's it's very... Mis- it's, it's just... Yeah, he's misinterpreting what's going on. He's he's seeing them right. being awkward and trying to be nice as they still hate him and... Um, he, they still haven't forgiven him. And Arthur reveals to him that not only have we forgiven you, but we had this intensely personal moment where we realized that if, despite everything that happened, you would have given your life for me and me alone. And... Yeah, you know, and they've been waiting for him to come to them because they don't know how to approach him after that that intensely personal moment. And once he realizes that that the, that the problem isn't them anymore, that it's him, and he's wanted, and it, it's everything he's ever wanted, and that's what he, yeah. you know. Yeah, Arthur sees that. Molly sees a child, and that they everyone literally gets it, but Harry at this point. And I love the moment too, where um, as a result of the incident at the um, oh, I wonder, I hope this isn't what you were talking about earlier, but um. 
as a result of the final battle, Harry, he and Ginny have pretty much like a soul Hold bond. Hold on! Feel everything <laughs> that the other feels. Because I've, I, I've actually never read one of those. This is fascinating. Oh, really? I love the never part where Harry can feel... Fic. I've never read a soul bond fic, and when Harry could feel the labor pains, I was like, okay, that's as close as I'm ever going to get to Empreg, but whatever. <laughs> um, I love the fact where Harry's thinking, you know, they couldn't love me, and Ginny immediately screams, tell him that you love him. He's very slow. Tell him that you love him. And everything ends up working out okay, but I I, I, I thought it was a, a, a really good way to finally end the, the Weasley arc there, where they went from the stage where they hated each other to the stage where things were fine, but it, it would never be the same again. They were different people. And I actually went on the full journey with him, because last week, a couple weeks ago, I was saying that these aren't his Weasleys. His Weasleys always stood by him, and these are different people who made different choices. And I'm coming around to the fact that they are actually the same people who made mistakes. And tough. You gotta learn to live with it. So, I think it's cool that I've actually been in every place that he's been, so. P.S., do you have anything to, to feel no. with this comfortable silence? Sorry, I can't really think of anything else ever needs to be said. <laughs> that's, that's P.S.'s way of saying we're done now. Flipping through my notes really fast here. Yeah. Harry gets his sweater. Molly that's... made the sweater, but didn't know if he would want it. And, and that's, Harry gets his sweater, Harry is home. And I don't think you can say it any better than that. The outtake involving Ron and Hermione's first time. <laughs> I started skimming it, and then I'm like, uh-huh, 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 okay, good orgasm, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and I kind of jumped to the next one because I'm like, I just read The Final Reckoning. <laughs> I'm yeah, right. Like, I, I can't read any more Ron Hermione sex. I'm sorry. See, the I thing can't... is, we don't say that we're explicitly covering these extra chapters. I never read. If it's just a random fic, I never read them. I didn't read the yeah. ones for They Shook Hands because we didn't cover them. I didn't read these the first time. Then I'm reading it and it, it was like a throbbing member chapter. I'm like, <laughs> oh. I'm like, oh, okay, uh-huh, okay. No, right. Yes, I'm with you, though. I never read outtakes of any kind. And there's role playing and call me professor i'm like no don't do it it's weird i'm you know having what I really hate in outtakes in general is when they make it down like the characters you know like when they when the out like, like from a Benny tv Russell, show yeah, where it's yeah. like them and like messing up yeah who did imogen did that in her um alpha omega series she did that in the um outtakes the characters like starting to like laugh and they give me my line again it, it was See, that's, ba- well here's that's the almost clever the first time but like the way a lot of authors do it is stupid well here's the thing ron telling hermione call him professor. When you have a bagel situation to start with, <laughs> throwing stuff like that in was unhelpful. <laughs> the birth of Merlin, great moment well, where Harry and Ginny decide to name baby girl Albus. Um, after, obviously, Albus Dumbledore and they walk out to the delivery room and or they walk out into the, he walks out with Al into the reception area and doesn't know the middle name yet and sees Lily's eyes and knows what Snape did for his mother and knows the person Snape became and instantly knows it's Albus Severus because it makes it makes with both Albus and Severus alive still you have to you have to come up with an interesting way to get that same name um, and there's a touching it's really very old too Dumb- yeah Dumbledore must be ancient but he's like yeah. won't die it made well, me happy that he lived yeah it, this joins the well. He died by the end. Of it. He died well, by yeah, the end. Yeah, but of I mean, it. I joins, mean a, joins a small number of fics where I've read where Dumbledore lives and is healthy all the way through the end of the the final fic or the final year of Harry's. I think in Silent Siege he ends up living for like fifty years afterwards or something or more. Something. Like, yes. Yeah, uh, no, he lives. I think ten years after Canon. Still, he lives for good. He lives. No, he actually lives through si- Silent Siege. I think he dies in the trilogy in the third part. He lives for a good amount of time. There's a, a great moment in chapter fifty-two where Al says he just wants to be like. 
his father. And uh, it's so touching because, of course, he looks just like Harry with the black hair and the, the messy black hair and the green eyes. It's, it's, it's a really good quiet moment because it doesn't really set out to do anything other than to show that Harry gets his kids. So that when, I believe it was James flipping out because he couldn't find Albus, like you have the story, you know, Dad, you know, Al's missing. I figured out what I was going to say, by the way. Know. Two things. One in Chapter 47, I can't believe we didn't talk about Tonks going on and on about breastfeeding <laughs> and describing her <laughs> pregnancy in detail. That and how And Ron is squeamish and like, hiding in the Ron attic and serious gets everyone and, and, together he's like Ron I promise we won't talk about breastfeeding yeah. <laughs> and then the other one is Harry the irony of Harry walking in on his son having sex in the el- in the epilogue <laughs> well no because what is it it's Harry ha- Har- Harry's son Mary's Sirius's um, daughter. Sirius's daughter. Because they're not. No, they're not. Doesn't anything. that seem no, like incest, God. even though you know it's not? I'm thinking of it, but I think it's like it's it's a text not. Well, it's like it's like people. I know blood. it's not because they're not related. Well, well everybody. Well, like technically, yeah. well, technically, they're all related. I mean, well, yeah, technically, some people yeah, three eyes, related, I mean. but it's some of the relations are so distant it doesn't matter. But no, it does. It feels like, especially in fix, you think of Sirius as Harry's father more than you think of him as a godfather. You think of him, or I think of him as his uncle, or as an uncle exactly. Exactly. I think I think of him as his uncle, which makes that would yeah. make them cousins. You would well, you would think the kids would be raised as cousins. Yeah, see, that's the thing. It's not really like that. It is actually incest. It's just that because they like just because they would be raised as cousins. Don't yeah. Well, you have to imagine too. Well, you have the irony of Harry walking in on someone else. Well, you have to remember too. Why I don't like those fix is... where like the Weasleys adopt Harry and then he still marries Jake. Yeah, yeah, that's your sister. When you think of the story too, think of the plotline of Harry. We know touches Ginny. Now later have. Um, Al gets caught with Sirius' daughter, whereas Harry doesn't know he time oh, travels. And Al, it wasn't Al, it was James. No, no. Was it James? The, the irony is that Albus had, had walked in while as Merlin on Harry and Ginny, and then Harry yeah. walks in. So Albus walks in on his parents, and then Harry walks in on them. It's not, not fully ironic. Like, even so. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I completely misread I thought for whatever reason it was Al. No, okay. no it's not that Al. Makes more it's sense. Al so it's James. No. There's a lot of uh, set up oh, in this, no, this right. epilogue for the next fic. They don't, Aaron, oh, I, I don't I just, want to make a spoiler. They don't mention her in this. I just find it interesting that Harry walks in on a child having sex, considering he was walked in on as somewhat of a child engaging in something that looked like something like sex. But. Yeah, that must also have been disorienting Al. For, for Al, because not only are his parents having sex, they're 16. Yeah, yeah, that's good. But they're also older than he is. That's, you know what? The whole thing is just, it's weird. I don't know. The whole, it's, it's very disturbing. It's very graphic. Oh, right. <laughs> I really did like that. So you have, going back to chapter 52, you have James flipping out because he can't find Al, and you're picturing Harry about to, you know, call the National Guard and he gets the fact that his kid can be a scary cat and his kid can get and Al can just be mischievous and Al actually has the um the invisibility cloak and was playing a gag on him because he's like, let me get this straight. You're playing hide and go seek and you can't find him and you find this odd. <laughs> and then if you have Lily the nudist who thinks her poop is a boggart, <laughs> which I found That was hilarious. Incredibly... Yeah, it's it's like an episode of Mr. Mom. It's it's he gets his kid. It was such a it was such a real moment that, you know, she runs around naked, which kids will do. She's isn't she like wearing like one sandal or something, something like ridiculous like that? Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. I just thought it was great. And then we've talked about Sirius explains this year why he was actually Merlin and involves Snape losing his virginity. And then you have the scene later where you realize that Snape and Sirius are actually best friends. And it shows, for me at least, you know, being where we leave off or backwards with purpose, it shows that even though Harry can go back in time and have the unintended consequence of making the Weasleys hate him for years or creating conditions where the Weasleys hate him for years, it also creates a world where 
Severus Snape and Sirius Black and be best friends. And I think it's a really good... I think Ella does a tremendous job of showing... Of understanding time and understanding that it's not just, you know, like hitting replay on your TiVo remote. If you go back in time, you play for keeps because a lot of things can change. I think that's a really good thing to acknowledge. I think it was just really fascinating just from a story perspective. There's also this idea that uh, you can't can go back in time, but if you mess up yourself, you can't fix that. Uh, Merlin is, or uh, Albus slash Merlin is able to go back and fix things that Harry does wrong, but he can't fix things he himself does wrong, which is something you see more of in the, the sequel. And Harry, I think Harry realizes it also in this fic, that if they, that, you know, especially that they talk about how they would go back for each other with the tears of Merlin. I think especially Ginny, or he leaves a note with Percy saying to, to, for Ron and Ginny not to come back again for him. That was a great moment to tell them not to come back for me. And Percy's like, what the hell is Harry, this? <laughs> Harry's like, crap, you weren't supposed to read that yet. I'm like, yeah, great, you're a wonderful time traveler, Harry. You've got this whole thing down to a science. I can... But I did really... Sorry. One thing I just want to say, I really did love the moment too, just a little beat where Harry wonders if this is the way it was always supposed to happen, that everyone would die and Harry would be saved through the Deathly Hallows so that Harry could come back in time and get and get it right the second time and still sacrifice himself and also that everyone else would live other than Evelyn Moody. So that it was always supposed to be a two-part process. And, you know, his death w- was always foreseen, but by doing it this way, he'd be able to save a lot more people. I love that moment. And I did, again, just love the moment where you have the traditional scene where Harry is being the hero, trying to die for everyone else, and he even says, I'm not a hero. I'm, I don't want to die. I want to live for Ginny. But recognizing maybe he can't. Just, it, it's, it's so good. There's so many great moments in here. I was going to ask, you guys, I'm assuming, have talked about Percy's character more in the other podcasts about them. Mm-hmm. I know they got to him, but yeah, but throw in whatever you want. I was just going to say, I, I really enjoyed this. As much as I love the Weasley plotline, I thought Percy's plotline was excellent in this one as well. Another character that is completely just underused and neglected in fan fiction and in canon, for the most part, that Ella brings out in detail and makes the character intriguing and compelling for, for the first time, almost. Yeah. yeah, usually they kill him off in Chapter 3, and that's usually... Yeah, so that's, he's like usually the Weasley with the target painted on his the chest. The token Weasley that they're going to kill. Him or Charlie. Always seems yeah, to be the one kill. We don't care about Charlie. Or Bill. Sometimes it's... No, think, or Bill. It's usually Percy or Charlie. Sometimes Percy and Charlie, if they're feeling adventurous. Yeah, something... Uh, I, w- I would be interested to look at, at like a listing the of Weasley like... Weasley death statistics page. Yeah, on like I'm quality fan fiction, Percy, you know, sixth and seventh year I'm betting Percy dies more than the rest of Weasley's kind. Yeah. And you rarely see more than one, so if they're gonna, they, if they have to pick just one, they usually pick Percy. Was it after the end where he dies? Like mm-hmm. after he dies, right? Yeah. Yep. Does Melinda kill him off in Seventh Horcrux? Yes. No, she kills no. off. No, she kills off no, Charlie. No, 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 it's in the Seventh Horcrux. Oh, in Seventh Horcrux, yes, she does. And she kills Charlie in in uh, Curse of the Damned. Yes. Um, it's hard to remember who he's. He's killed in Abraxan's series as well, the Refiner's Fire. The CMC is always the one that gets killed. The extent of his character development is he was a git and he comes back at the last second and then he dies, and that's his character yeah, arc. Usually, he doesn't give them up. Like usually, I would say the most popular Percy death trope is probably him being killed because he refuses to give up Eric, even if he doesn't really like come over. He dies, not yeah. He drank. he has to do something redeemable doing something that redeems him. Because I think that's interesting because... I've never seen Percy as actually a Death Eater. You know, like, he always dies, but he's never evil. I've seen him evil people, once or twice. People don't hate him. People generally, unless unless they're just, just are trying to make it non-canon-esque, generally like the Weasleys, or at least they don't like them, at least make them close to their canon interpretation, which is where they're all good people, but it turn hairy and et cetera, et cetera. 
There aren't really... Or probably more common... Are the, I was to say, probably more common are the ones where Percy does something that leads to the death of someone else, or he he's so pompous and so blind that he'll, you know, do something that may cause Charlie to die, and then he'll feel, like, tremendous remorse for it and come around. I just want to add in real fast here for the yeah. moment. I love the characterization. I liked how the motivation of Voldemort and the makeup of the war seems to be so different this time, because last time you had the puppet government, and you had Voldemort pulling the string from his office where he was filling out the TBS reports, where in this one, it's the ministry is taken over, and it's like, all hail Voldemort. <laughs> like, ah. And Daphne Green Brass. Like, maybe we've just been reading old Daphne lately, because I know she was awesome in Lavender Brown stuff, but I just love how Daphne immediately gets it. Like, she's not filled in on any of this plan. She gets it. She can fake it. She just jumps up and I swear allegiance because she wants to get Voldemort's Oh, I always took it that there would be some advance notice that, you know, the dark days coming into... Well, I mean, I, I didn't think that it came out of totally blue, but I mean, I think it it, sh- it said something about how cool Daphne is that she, she... I mean, she got it without any real... Right. She, she didn't know that this was something she could do. Oh, yeah. Shit, I forgot about Potter's Army. Yeah, that wasn't in these chapters. Um, that was that would have been a previous set of chapters, I think. Do you even get the impression that who is it? It's Ernie. Ernie is like you traitorous bitch. Do you even I, get that it's all an act? Do you, do you get that Ernie leaves her, or do you get that Ernie realizes? No, she's I got it was an <laughs> act, but it was cracking me up because it's like all hail Voldemort, you whore. It's like going back and forth. Because like what the, you got that Ernie was yeah, in on it. Yeah, that's what I got too. Yeah, he was in on. I I don't know what I actually. I, it's been too long since I read it the first time. I can't tell you honestly what I. Well, I'm just that. very confused because well, no, there were there was a previous. Cha- it was actually I think. Cha- after 39 where we started from tonight where they're in Octavius's class and she's pretending to be the enemy but at one point Harry does something well and she like has a big red in her face so she's definitely a good guy but that was a little weirded out by the fact that it was like all hail Voldemort because granted in canon people know that Death Eater is teaching defense against Dark Art more correctly Dark Art but there was always that impression in the canon that Voldemort was hiding it which I didn't really get but so maybe it's fine maybe it just makes more sense here there's I think there's an idea in the canon that in Deathly Hallows that he's behind it but not overt enough that you can say all hail Voldemort Voldemort. Yeah. The, the think, idea is... What it yeah, is, sorry. is I think Deathly Hallows, they're getting rid of the Muggles, just like Hitler was slightly going after Jews, but I don't get that there was all this whole indoctrination yet. I think he wanted to build, and I think he was headed there. Like, I think if the in some AU where, like, the war lasts for more years, I think Voldemort be more overt about it. Mm-hmm. Because I think the thing that Voldemort is trying to do now is he's trying to fully take over Brit before really anybody else notices, you know? Because right. I don't think if, I think it could turn into a wizard if he had been like making the students all hail Mort. Then well, I think nobody else would have noticed. Uh, going with the Hitler analogy, Hitler was elected chancellor in thirty. Yeah, I just said. I'm sorry. I just said that. I know nothing about Hitler. I, that, I just completely made that up. I really don't it's, know if it's anything like Hitler at all. It, it, actually, it, it's it's fairly close. I've read a, it's a book called Rise and Fall of the Third Reich, but it's been like ten years, which is very in depth. I think it was thirty one or thirty three when he was elected chancellor, and it, between then and 38, which was the invasion of, which was the Anschluss with Austria and then the Sudetenland and Czechoslovakia. Before that happened, there was like six or seven years when the world could have done something about this guy who had this dictatorship in this country that they had just finished a war with, like not 20 years before. But the problem was that everybody was going through this depression and he basically uh, put Germany on a war footing and, you know, kicked their economy into shape and began this this kind of, this, this takeover, but nobody outside could do anything about it. The idea that if they were to allow Britain to remain under Voldemort's control for a few years, and if Voldemort's able to start training 
people to fight and then but doing it in a way where it doesn't he doesn't invite people to invade or to interfere with him then after five or six years he could onschluss france or something yeah and, you know it's kind of he would have i mean you got to think of like if he waited until he had gotten some of the kits because I think it probably would be hard if you get the DA. If, if DH had continued for years and they lost and stuff, you'd get, I mean, most of the members of DA, we did, so you wouldn't have that existence. Well, and the, then you would be, you would have, I don't think it would be hard to brainwash the neutral kiss. I don't think yeah. it would be hard to get them on your side, like the non-DA members. You have people who are open supporters. You have people who can be imperioed or can be blackmailed or threatened or browbeaten into being on your side. Then you have the people that are your devils and you know your Harrys that you have to eliminate because yeah. like I know I've read Vicks where people who are neutral left somewhere you have people that are neutral like going to get what it was but like it's about Teddy and some of Teddy's classmates were born in Canada because their parents had gone somewhere else to okay. get away from yeah. it What and what you would probably have is you'd probably have like these refugees tr- convincing these other governments to fight and so in a few years you probably get like the Canadian ministry the American ministry well and you have to remember though also that Britain's a fairly populous country and that once a... obviously and i think other international bodies would have to interfere if muggles yeah. start noticing right. well if the statue of secrecy is breached but um you know after i think the last really major overt uh, anti-muggle action is the destruction of the bridge and mm-hmm. um the, the giant attack in book six everything else after that is kind of uh um it, it's it's more isolated it's not yeah, there's mass no attack. muggles noticing in dh because i think he was yeah. keeping it on the down low because he was trying to take over it he was trying to take over wizarding Britain. Yeah. i think once he had gotten a firm enough hold on Wizarding Rit, he would have started to go after Muggles, and that's when the other. That's you think they would have would have cut in. Well, um, I know uh, you've. I don't know if you've read it. P.S. I know Ryan has a uh, Nightmares Futures Past. You read that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. That they, they they delve into that and that one in the future where they uh, the Statue of Secrecy is breaking down, and so the Americans uh, step in. Oh yeah, I remember. That. We're always doing that. Because like I almost wonder like see I think this is so interesting. I I want Vic about this. I want Vic about like international Wizarding politics. I want to see, like, how there is, is there a Wizard UN? Like, is there... It's the International Confederation of Wizards. Yeah, I mean, like, do they do, like, UN type of things? Do they come it's after like how they did. It's like how they did it in Paradigm of Uncertainty. Yeah, I was going to cite that one. There's what a, did, they, what did they do in Paradigm of Uncertainty? Uh, they had, they, well, they had holodecks in the Federation. It was kind of like a big Star Trek. <laughs> they don't actually do a whole lot with ICF in, uh, or uh, ICW in, uh, in, um, in Paradigm. It's mostly just has the, uh, the spy branch, which is anti-dark magic people. Um, the thing about the wizarding world is you have everybody can kill with this thing that they carry around and do chores with if they have the capability to do that like in their hearts so um, and anybody can do a cutting curse which can kill you just as easily as anything else so it's 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 kind of different from the real world where everybody can have a gun but a, an idiot with a gun is not gonna you know an idiot with a gun actually kills somebody unless they're like five feet away you know they don't have armies your armies are the things that are gonna be real anyway I'm, I'm, I got off my point sorry no, it's okay. It's interesting. This is my favorite like thing to talk about. I'm like... But right the thing it. I was trying to say, I think, is that I think that international wars for wizards are much harder to come about because oh, yeah, of the fact so. that they have I more I don't really think power. there is such a thing about as, as wizard military. I think what no. you're getting, it's basically wars. It would be like if wars were fought by SWAT teams. Yeah, part of the part of that is that the wizarding population is so much smaller than right. the most. I think population. it's I think it's analogous enough to a war that like because proportionately it's like the order and like the R's are probably proportionate to an army. Uh-huh. And then you have, like, things that we don't even hear about in canon. Like, I mean, I make up stuff left and right that would be used in... 
you're right though, PS. It would be interesting to see a like an all-out a, a world in which you could conceive of an all-out wizard war. Um, they, they allude to the fact that that possibly Grindelwald was trying to do something like that in canon. That um, that the, the original duel between him and Dumbledore was as much about stopping this this grander thing. And then there's so many um, fix where. Um... Oh, I just figured out what I was trying to think of. I think it's the Twilight Zone episode where he's Hitler. <laughs> but anyway. Awesome. But I told anyway. you it might have been a Twilight Zone episode. Yeah, it um, was. That's, I think that's it. it. But um, uh, I, there's so many fics that, like, where Grindelwald is Hitler or, like, is working with Hitler that I think it's so ingrained into the fandom's mind yeah. that Dumbledore versus Grindelwald is the same as World War II. And well, I mean, there's... I don't know if I agree with it or not, but I think it's something that the fandom has jumped on. Like, I do get that in canon it's implied that it's, like, a war and that they didn't just be like, hey, let's like I get yeah. that it was a big thing, probably because it's it, it's a it's a question of timing as well as some other, um, um, especially they added some in Deathly Hallows. The only thing you learn about Grindelwald before Deathly Hallows is that his name is is Grindelwald. You don't know his first name, right? And that he dueled Dumbledore and Dumbledore won in 1945. Right. And I, he was I, defeated. I, yeah. I just think it's it's um it's something that the fandom has taken for true that it's oh yeah linked to Hitler. Like that is one of those big fandom things. Like, and then you forget where it came from, and you forget who yeah. started it. You forget if it's real. So everyone's it's hard to it's hard to, to keep some of that stuff straight. You read too many fan fictions, and suddenly you, you remember Glamours as being canon and, and Wards being yeah, canon. It's, it's like one of those it's deals where it's like it's so ingrained into the fandom. Because like I, I know this has come up when I'm writing. It's like it's so ingrained into the fandom. It's not just whether you forget whether it's yeah. true. Or, it's like you're afraid to contradict it because people will be like, "That's not true," you know. Like yeah. I forget yeah. what it was, but there was something I was. I, it was probably like what to call I, I was like is he MLES he an R like what is he and I made up this thing that was basically supposed to be interval because he's not going after dark wizards it's just regular crime and I was like I was wondering if this wasn't going to be one of those things where people where there was like such a fan in base for whatever this was uh-huh. that people never think it was true yeah. Well, yeah, it's oh. like the, the word ward I don't think ever comes up in canon. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Is it, and also glamour, both of those things are completely uh, fan fiction based. And the, the she only ever uses the word enchantments or um, protective spells. Right. She never uses the word ward. And See, I don't know where... That's something I'm big on. I'm big on the, on the canon magic vocab. Like, I don't like I don't like glamour or those no. things. I, oh, I, I definitely agree. I'm just saying, I was I was commenting on how, how widespread they are um, mm-hmm. in, in fan fiction. I think that um, a, a lot of that has to come from the fact that ward is a lot easier to say than protective enchantment and glamours are incredibly I think deep. actually I think I, I think I may have you discovering my butt ward I, I think ward is probably the most forgivable since um, yeah. it's it's such otherwise you're calling it protective enchantment and yeah I think I've definitely used like constant but um maybe used words wrong well we've kind of gone far afield here a little bit yeah we originally came back to talk about Daphne oh yeah we did talk about Daphne did talk about that. Are there any other characters that you can think of that were uh, really brought to the forefront in this fic that were, you know, either neglected or... How about, Stu- how about characters that weren't in the fic at all? Draco was in there briefly. Uh, Slughorn? Yeah, somebody <laughs> really wasn't in the fic at all. He was, he, was he not in the fic at all? I don't remember. Not in the fic at all. On that Just... note, we're going to meet you guys back here next week where we're going to get... <laughs> no, but see, the thing is, I'm worried about him because if they don't go get him, that means he's on the run for all these years. That's true. Although, I, I don't know that he's on the run. Um, I think he's on only on the run for a year in canon before he gets... No, he, yeah, because they go get him at the beginning of 6, so he's, he's he would be on the run all of book 5, but since they don't go get him in this, he's on the run during book 6 and book 7. When does the final battle take place in this? Or maybe, it... maybe it doesn't take place in book 7, but basically what I mean year is six. he's on the run for... So it's is really it... only maybe a few months longer than in canon. I, I could have sworn the battle's at the end of year 6 in this one, so he wouldn't be on the run any longer than he was in canon. No, it was longer, though, because... 
it was I mean it was it book was six. Years, yeah. It was in the beginning of book six. Oh you're right, you're right. I mean that's the whole point of book six. Um yeah, that's right. Um so it'd be two years. Sorry, my cat just squeaked. I don't know if you guys heard that. <laughs> she's trying to to get on the podcast but she um, objects to the marginalization. She, she does. She she's also a Slughorn fan PS when uh um she she was she was crying all during this because there was no Slughorn. Good and kitty. Good kitty. There we go. Yeah. Um but there's no you know, honestly there's no reason to bring Slug I, I know you're you're gonna hate me for saying this. There's no reason to bring in Slughorn on this. A lot of fan fictions do it, especially renews, because Snape is evil or they don't want they just want to get rid of Snape. So they bring in Slughorn. Like, I love those. Um, they make me so happy. Give me like, a list uh, of them. Is it more than just nightmares? I want them all. I'm pretty sure I've got more than one that, that does it, other than nightmares. The problem is, I, I have, some of the redo fix are pre your your or pre uh, Half Blood Prince, so Slughorn doesn't exist. Oh well, there's no point of those. Yeah. Well, he had just come into the fic in nightmares. I think. It, it I, I know, but it was ago. he got his eye color wrong. <laughs> On that note, have a lovely night, everybody. Good evening. <laughs> <laughs> So next week we will return with part one of our two-part series on the Book of Albus, the sequel to Backwards with Purpose, and P.S. and Aaron will be joining us because they have crashed the party. So Because uh, Book of Albus is awesome. Very cool. And must be... Because Book of Albus is must awesome. Must be talked about. Destroyed. Well, or talked about. Yeah, so with that, uh, have a good night, everybody. Good night. Good evening. Good evening means hello. Well done. I'm sorry. Good night. Are you happy now? God. <laughs> So hold on to the wonder that those books brought to our lives. Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night.